Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. everyone and welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Happy Tuesday, the most nondescript day of the week. We don't have a name for it or anything. At Taco least Monday. Tuesday. Taco, Taco Tuesday. Tuesday. There we go. Yeah. Oh, breakfast tacos. Yeah, thumbs up or thumbs down? Ooh, yes. Thumbs, thumbs up, up for t- tacos breakfast. are good for everything. I think so, Brooke. Yes. Even yes. dessert tacos. What was the dessert oh. taco that you could get? I think they discontinued it. The chocolate taco? Chocolate yeah, taco. Chocolate taco. Oh. Yes. Yep. Those were delicious. Yes. Oh, let me give you another one. Okay. Bulletin. Apparently <laughs> official. Uh at IHOP, I don't know if it was a limited thing, but they had pancake tacos. So, like, uh, they put Never like heard pan- of that one. Oh, I'm yeah. googling so this. So they, they make pancakes and they fold them like a taco shell, and you can put it, put in bananas, strawberries, chocolate whipped cream, and stuff. Or you could make it like a savory with sausage and and stuff. Uh, I don't know if it's still there. We need to check it out. But they were delicious <laughs> over at, uh, at at IHOP. And, and oh, by the way. We should. Mo- and by the way, this is a sports show. Welcome, great to have you with us, Brooke Grimsley, <laughs> Super Bowl champion Gary Davis. I'm It is wonderful to have you with us. It's 7:01. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. You can watch us on the Air Alliance Team Studio Cam. Just go to YouTube and search 101 ESPN STL, and we'd love to have you subscribe to our channel. You can always text us on the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646-314-399. Yo ho. Okay, just uh, one. Uh, did you find the top? First of all, the yes, most important thing. They okay. look adorable. They're, oh, yeah. they're absolutely adorable. And you're right. They put things in them like strawberries and bananas. They're so cute. Yeah, they're they're delicious, too. So check them out at IHOP. Uh, one of the things <laughs> that I used to do back in the day when my daughter was in high school was on National Pancake Day when IHOP would have the free pancakes. I drove her to school every day. Uh, I would forego school for the morning, and we would go get free pancakes <laughs> at IHOP. That was, you know, I, I had my priorities set. I figure if a kid's going to go to school 200 days a year, what difference does it make if it's 199 and the other morning is spent at IHOP? <laughs> Good parenting. That's doing it right. Yeah, I thought I'm not so. Disappointed with that. Why do the pancakes yeah. taste better? From skipping school. Not that they, we're saying skip school. They, we're not condoning that. that. We can say that. <laughs> <laughs> we can say that. I'm here. I skip school once or twice. Just oh, three times or four times. Can I just say, as a, as a private school kid, that was always the thing I envied the most about the kids I went to get to skip school. No, 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 You skip school in a public school, okay. a private school, and they have somebody who goes to your house and and finds you and drags you them. back to that school. So. How about that? I, I discovered my leadership ability as a junior in high school <laughs> uh, when we had a bad 
substitute teacher. Nobody in this marketing class liked the substitute teacher. We knew that our regular teacher was going to be out for Thursday and Friday. Nobody liked the substitute on Thursday. What I did was went around the classroom after the class on Thursday, late in the class. I said, you know what? We can't do this another day. We can't do this another day. I got 22 of 23 people in that class to skip the next day, and we all went to lunch at Wendy's. Oh my How gosh! So the, the one student that didn't skip it was well, well, her. He it was a, a, a girl that was never going to skip. It was that did. kid. You you just couldn't get it. No, no it chance. Wasn't gonna happen. No chance. <laughs> okay, but I felt really good about. And I got like the homecoming like queen, and I, you know yeah. I got I got all the burnouts, all the everybody. I, I got the cool people. Twenty two, and we put all the tables together at Wendy's. So with the whole class <laughs> together, it was very cool. It, it was, was like you were fun. having class, but just at Wendy's. It yeah, was a field right. trip. It was we were marketing for Wendy's. Yeah. There you go. It was it was delicious. Okay, here's what we got coming up on this show. John Kelly's going to join us from Winnipeg at 8.15 and then at 9.15, our good friend, the former Cardinal MLB Network Radio, MLB Network ESPN. I mean, he is a media star now. Xavier Scruggs is going to join us to talk about the postseason at 9.15. We put together this show yesterday after 10 o'clock uh, with like three segments about previewing the World Series. A lot of good that did us. Uh, <laughs> but we do know one of the World Series teams because last night in Houston, Texas trampled the Astros by a score of 11 to 4. And it was over pretty early, as a matter of fact. Corey Seager homering in the first inning. Uh, Adolis Garcia with a base hit to score Evan Carter. Garver with a base hit to make it 3 nothing. It was 3-1 in the third inning when the former Cardinal moved a step closer towards American League Championship Series MVP. Garcia starts the third and drives one the other way down the line. If it's fair, he's got another. He does. Adolis Garcia owning October. He sure does own October so far. It was 4-1 to in the bottom of the third inning. Alex Bregman homered to make it a 4-2 game. But then in the fourth, the very next inning with a couple of runners aboard, Evan Carter blew it open. And all of a sudden, things got away from the Astros before the inning was out. And Dusty, man, he this thing just fell apart in a hurry. Garcia with a base hit to score Seager and Carter. And then in the sixth inning, Nathaniel Lowe with a homer to make it 10-2. In the seventh inning, it was uh, Jordan Alvarez base hit that scored Bregman to make it 10-3. And then the cherry on top from Adolis in the eighth. Tom, take it away. Here's the fly ball. Hold on one second. Back goes... Manager Bruce Bochy is surprised by that. He's one of our guys. I'll start with that. And we're not surprised about what he did. I've, I've seen him do it during the year. This, this guy's an incredible talent. And what he did, and really we had contribution from everybody, but what he did is truly amazing. And how he recovered with that incident, uh, came in here and just had great at-bats. Uh, he's just a, a talented guy that... Yeah, I'm not surprised by anything. Defensively, uh, offensively, uh, we're lucky to have him. OMG. He's a former Cardinal, by the way. 
It was nice listening to all those reminders during the broadcast last night. Did you guys notice that? That they kept talking about over and over again about the Rangers. They were able to get him. Now, the Rangers did DFA him and he mm-hmm. the other teams didn't pick him up, too. So I think that that's something that is also fair to point out. But it's always harder when you know that it started with the Cardinals yeah. and that they gave him just a small chance, a small sample size. And then you go and see him do that elsewhere because there's also many other examples of that. It seems like we're seeing so many just former Cardinals really thrive in the postseason, not for the Cardinals. No. And, and that's painful. Yeah, And guys, one of the things that bothers me is that the Cardinals make a big deal of their international spending budget. Well, they go to Cuba, they get Garcia, they go to Mexico to get the Cuban Randy Rosarena, and then the international spending budget, and the Cardinals have a limited budget, they admit that to us, the, the international spending budget is never used on guys that perform for them. And that's frustrating to me. It is. Well, it, it may just, I mean, scouting, developing, scouting is hard. Developing is not, should not be as hard. Um, but you have to give some players time. And you have to be able to say, okay, this guy is, he's almost there. He's close. Or, you know what, it's time to give up on him. We, we've done all we can do. And, and there's a fine line there because sometimes a change of scenery changes uh, the outlook for a player. Sometimes going to a different place, having different coaches, hearing a different philosophy may unlock something in a player. I, I've played for coaches that, you know, I've played for coaches that eh, they were good. And then I played for some <laughs> coaches that were like, oh, this dude really knows what he's talking about. Like it, it's there's a difference. There are different levels. So, you know, you just you you don't know. But it's unfortunate and it's it's frustrating for Cardinal fans to have to deal with seeing Randy Rosarena have success, see Sandy Alcantara have success, see Garcia have success, and and you know Gallon is is they're one game away from being in the, in the World Series as well. Those guys. You know, you could definitely have used two pitchers this this past season. You could have used a yeah. couple of outfielders that were playing every single day and, and healthy in yeah. that outfield. You could think we're done? No. No. Yeah, some, got more. Uh, so Texas on their way to the World Series. Arizona forces Game 7, winning at Philadelphia yesterday. Scoreless game, second inning. See if you recognize this. And Pham sends one deep into left field, and that one's going to fly. Tommy Pham. Welcome back to the lineup. Running around those bases with some anger. With some anger. With some Not anger. As we are. Nah. It's so great seeing them do well. the Cardinals got Hennessy's Cabrera in that. Tr- oh. No. He, he. But you know the good oh. thing? I, I was watching that game last night. I was watching the Rangers and, and Astros. There's a pitcher for the uh, Rangers. He's going to be a free agent this year. And he pitched really well. He's, he's going to be oh, free I'd love agent. to get the lefty. No. If we had, yeah. if we had a guy like that. Guys. Guys. Yeah. We would have been. If we had. Guys. We had him. Him, and this, then we traded him, Jordan Montgomery. Year? Yes, he and but supposedly the door is going to be open. I think that door is closed. It's so. locked. It's shut. There's another door that's also shut. It's, uh, it's done. Aaron Nova didn't yeah. perform well. Maybe that door opened back yeah, up maybe, a little bit. Maybe. So the, can we knock off a few Diamond, millionaires? Yeah. <laughs> Diamondbacks lead by a score of three nothing after two, and then uh, the Philadelphia got to run back on a base hit by Marsh and. A play that wasn't a home run in these playoffs. I had to get this in in the fifth <laughs> inning because I just wanted to hear this. They may get a mistake from Nola. And Marte rifles one right field. That's down fair and into the corner it goes. Carroll can fly. He'll score easily. 
Marte's on his way to third. It's an RBI triple. Cattell Marte keeps it rolling. Four to one Diamondbacks. And they win it by a score of 5-1, to one, and Merrill Kelly, their starting pitcher, goes five innings. He allows one run on three hits, strikes out eight, and walks three. Aaron Nola, as CD mentioned, not great. Four and a third, he allows four runs on six hits, strike out, strikes out four, and walks a couple. And today, it'll be, for the Diamondbacks, Brandon Fott. Remember what happened last time he pitched? Yes. Well, he was great. The manager wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> game seven, though. Do you think he'll? Do you think he'll do that again? Nope. Just say that it's the exact same situation. Will he do that his again? on arm falls mm, off. Nope. Yeah. If he's pitching well, he is you going. You stay in, buddy. Yeah. Yep. He's he's going to stay in. So after today, we'll know what the World Series matchup is: Rangers against either Phillies, who pitched Rangers Ron Her Suarez tonight mm. against Brandon Fod. I love to make up names for the. Guys, uh, last night Monday Night Football, Kirk Cousins started his NFL career as a quarterback by going 0 and 9 in Monday Night Football games. Last night, the Vikings upended the 49ers 22 to 17, and so now Cousins has won three of his last four Monday Night Football games. You like that? You like that? <laughs> yeah, I do. We do like that, Kirk. <laughs> How can you not like Kirk? Good like it. (laughs) (laughs) The the Minnesota Vikings are sitting here at three and four. I know. They are they are going to work their way back into winning that division. And it's absurd that Green Bay hasn't I mean, well, not to win it because the Lions are still there. But they're gonna work their way into potentially being in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And and you know, last year they were eleven and zero in one score games. This year they're three and four. I think every single game they've played has been a one-score game. They have been in every single game this season, uh, just not finishing and not getting not getting finished, not not finishing the deal. But beating the 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 San Francisco uh, 49ers at home in that manner last night that was a great win for the Minnesota Vikings. And I I, I don't know if I'm concerned about the 49ers yet, but I don't <laughs> like. Those last couple of losses that they've had, and Birdie's throwing picks. He didn't yes. throw yes. picks before. That was the thing. Yes, that yeah. is the biggest he, he, thing. The last pick he threw was 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 egregious. Yeah, it was just you know he threw a couple of them to the safety. I'm like, dude, you don't see. You don't see him sitting there? Right. That's not a good not, throw. Not good at all. Yeah. A couple of other things. Uh, we got a text, by the way, uh, 657, or not 65780, our text line. Man, I haven't said that in a year <laughs> since, since we changed it. 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO. Uh, text from the 314. I was happy 10 minutes ago before we started talking about former Cardinals. But, Man. Uh, okay, you can text in now if you've ever gone 40 miles over the speed limit. Chris Olave of the Saints getting a ticket and getting arrested for going 70 in a 30. I, Sheldon in a Richardson, 30. If you, 70 in a 30. Sheldon Richardson, if you're um, listening, I know you don't have to text in. But, <laughs> what? He was about 112. Come on. <laughs> I'm just saying. He had an important engagement to get to. Oh, yeah. He's got a, he's got a, uh, he's got a kid in the back seat. Oh, no. didn't know that. No. Not great. Uh, but, if you've ever, and, uh, police officers, I know you've done it because you've been chasing people. But if you've ever gone 70 in a 30, text in now. Because, and if you, whether you got arrested or not, I don't think, this is my personal opinion, because it's New Orleans, I don't think that 70 in a 30 rises to the level of an arrest. <sighs> Say, Chris, come on. Oh. I mean, it's hard to get arrested in New Orleans. <laughs> it's, right? It, I guess so. <laughs> uh, I have, so when I was in college, I didn't know that you could go to jail for going 
certain miles and over, over the speed oh. limit. I, I was on the highway trying to get back to school. We probably had a workout I had to get to and didn't want to be late. And uh, getting a ticket was <laughs> was the least of my worries. Coach Turner missing one of his meetings or me missing one of his practices. You know, and I, so. I didn't know that. He pulled me over. He said, you could go to jail for this. Oh, no idea. Didn't uh, know that. From the good to know. We'll make note of that yeah. now for the rest of my life. From the 636, I went 197 on the page extension in Maryland Heights. That is flying, and it doesn't surprise me a bit. What part? Oh. Well, what strip? See, the, at the right time of day, you can oh, see I, it, right? Yeah, you can see all of it. So you, Maryland you can, Heights, yeah, the, like between the bridge and 270. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, you can fly, Matthew. I wouldn't I, suggest I, it. I, I need to know what kind of car that was. Uh, a fast that one goes, that's going 197. Yeah, that that's didn't, a great that, question. That didn't fall apart as yep. you tried to decelerate to accelerate from that. Like, I, I really need to know what kind of car you're driving, my friend. That's impressive. Yeah. From the 314, I've gone over the 40 over the speed limit, never in a 30 mile an hour zone, though. Yes. LOL. Yes. Yeah, um. Let's see. Only on the highway did 110. Yeah. I did 90 in the 30, but it was on a country road and no one was around. Okay. Uh, That's reasonable. See? Uh, let's see. Not arrested, but thankfully, I had a dozen donuts. Just kidding. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, 118 and a 55 got a warning. There you go. See, that's a that, that's a nice police officer right there. You that was from doubled 620. it. Yeah. You doubled the speed limit. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know. I was on the highway. I was eh, miles. It was 60. I was, I was about a one, one, 105. Here's oh a uh, from gosh. the 620. Uh, uh, school. I was flying. <laughs> you were. Didn't know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 125 in a 55. Um, somebody's <laughs> not over the speed limit as we speak. What is happening here? <laughs> That's yeah. Stop texting. Stop texting. Two more. Number one, I, I drove 125 in Clinton County in Illinois on a country road. That's from the 618. Congratulations on that speed. What vehicles are these people driving? I was driving a Grand oh. Am. And it oh. was. Sh- <laughs> I would think so. <laughs> like a roller coaster. <laughs> you get a uh, you get a Corvette. Uh, you get like across the street. Yeah. Uh, you got a, the little Jaguars and the Lamborghinis and the Maseratis and stuff like that. The person who said 175 said it's a uh, uh, Mercedes Benz AMG DT- AMG GTS. Uh, that is a believable speed to to hit on a straightaway. <laughs> you can yeah. you can I, I, yeah. Every now and then you you got to test. Don't, and, no, uh, no, no, you don't. From three one four, Randy, you got people celebrating their bad decisions. No, I I'm just asking if you've ever done it. And by the way, if you don't get a ticket, is it really a bad decision? If no. you don't have a ticket or you get in an accident, okay. Hey. Accidents, I because think, is the big, big thing there. It's true. Good point. It's But you don't forget going 197 <laughs> and a 55 or a 60. So. No. Uh, we're off and running here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, the Diamondbacks force Game 7 against Philadelphia. Can, can they continue this improbable run tonight in Game 7? That's coming your way on the opening drive. We should be the fast lane. I'm 101 ESPN. (laughs) You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. And a cold strike three and the ball game is over. And the Arizona Diamondbacks have forced a game seven. Yes, they have. Didn't see that coming. <laughs> I did not, especially after game two. I, I I really respect what the Diamondbacks have done. And by the way, in yesterday's lineup in their starting nine, they had four players that are 23 and younger. And they were down 2 nothing, and now they're at 3-3, and they can win the National League pennant tonight with a win against Philadelphia. Tori Lavolo 
has really navigated this postseason well for Arizona and talked about what went well for his club in Game 6. The obvious one is the crowd. Um, the It was considerably um, more quiet for those middle innings when I think things were can get really ramped up here. But once they get somebody on base or they get score a run, it, it picks up again. But we kept ch- tacking on a run. Um, <clears throat> and... I think that that's a that's a very powerful statement when you just add another point here and there. And did it against Aaron Nola. That was another big part of it is Nola had been so dominant in the postseason up until yesterday. And for that young team to quiet that crowd and keep chipping away and building the lead allowed them to come away with a victory. It, yeah, that's the thing. And I think that's also a testament to the adjustments that they were able to make against Aaron Nola in that game to get to him so early. Marte has been spectacular. If you even just look at this postseason, he's now 11 for 26 with three doubles, a triple, three RBI, and two runs in this series. And he looks really, really good. If they end up winning, he's getting the MVP oh, for me. I think that's an absolute. I don't think there's any doubt about it. And Lavello. Also made, well, not, not a controversial decision, but he did decide to take his starting pitcher out. Merrill Kelly had gone five. He'd allowed one run on three hits, but that's just who Tori Lavolo is. What I expect from Merrill, he's an unbelievable competitor, never wants to be taken out of a game until he's, he is abs- his tank is absolutely empty. Uh, he was making statements to me that told me that he would, was capable of going back out there. But I just I've got to be I got to be the, the 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 parent in the room and make a tough decision and hand it over to bullpen that's been very very efficient. Uh, he had done his job. It was 65 pitches through three. That was a concern. It was 48 after two. That was a concern. So I was I was managing his workload. I was watching his stuff. It was in my opinion it was just time to come out of the game. What I can share about it is. Um, he was pounding the table to go back out there and was and was shocked that I was going to remove him from the game. So, Merrill Kelly, your reaction? I just don't like ever coming out of a game. Um, that's partly just me being stubborn. Um, also, partly just the situation. I think partly why I was upset right there was I was kind of just taken off guard by it. Um, you know, I just went through their top three, punched out two of them, um, 90 pitches through five. I'm thinking I'm for sure going back out for six. Um, and then when I came in and, and saw his handout for the handshake that I was done, it, it kind of just, I think, kind of took me by shock more than anything. Um, and in that situation, obviously, NLCS game six, I want to be out there. I want to help my team win. Um, and that's kind of my mentality. Guys, we see it here all the time. Pitchers have to wonder, how do I ever earn the trust of my manager? Because that's what it comes down to is they don't feel trusted. Now, I would ask you this. Is is it possible with him pitching that many innings or that many throwing that many pitches that he's available in some capacity tonight? Do you, do you take him out at that point because you know we got this game potentially wrapped up? We may need to use him in game seven in some capacity. And so if you're the manager, you don't necessarily have to have that conversation with your player maybe that's on your mind maybe that's something you're thinking about but if he pitches 115 pitches then you're definitely not going to be able to use him tonight 90 pitches five innings maybe he can get you a, get you an out or two in game seven if need be i think the greater likelihood would be that you'd have him available for game one on monday okay. of the world series yeah or is it is no, it Friday, Friday. It's Friday. So it would be Monday, uh, yesterday. So you Monday, wouldn't, you Tuesday, wouldn't, Wednesday, Thursday. If you were in a, in a jam. Game, game two. I, I don't think that he has the stuff. I like okay. him, but I don't think Merrill Kelly is the kind of guy like Evaldi or like Randy Johnson or like Bob Gibson that you bring in on one day's rest to strike a few guys out. 
do you do like what Bochi did, where all of a sudden you had Jordan Montgomery coming no, out of the pen? That's, that's that's different because he was well rested. Yeah, yes. he was ready to go. So that was like another bullpen session, just a very intense bullpen session for right. him. <laughs> so Tommy Pham, we we heard in the highlight that he came back into the lineup with a little bit of anger. Felt tremendous, you know, to uh, to sit and get a chance today and and help the team. Help the team win, jumpstart the team, get everything started. It was that's that's what it's about. Good to see a former Cardinal having some success in the I mean, postseason. Just one doesn't happen. I mean, one of the yeah, these guys are few and far between. How much success these former Cardinals are having? Yeah, that's actually a bunch of them. There's too many of them. There's too many of them. Way too many. If there was like maybe just one, I think I would be maybe okay-ish about it. But the fact that there's so many is really hard to just sit with and watch because you want to be happy. You want to be like, oh, that's fantastic. But then you're like, ugh, this is just painful to watch right now. Game 7 tonight on TBS at 7.07, and it'll be Brandon Fott against Ron Harris Suarez. Meanwhile, also in baseball, the San Diego Padres allowed the San Francisco Giants Giants permission to interview their manager, Bob Melvin. And that extends from a news standpoint. We talk about the topic tree that affects us here in St. Louis because next year in the postseason, we may not only have a bunch of former Cardinal players, oh. but uh, Mike Schilt appears to be one of the favorites for the Padres managerial hmm. post. I like it. I think that it would be good for the Padres to hire him. I know he's been working behind the scenes. I'm surprised that it's taken this long. And I don't know how much factors into that of what happened here with the Cardinals and the philosophical differences. But Mike Schilt worked really hard here for the Cardinals organization. He was a big loss for the organization, too. When you think about how much time he spent in the minor leagues, I mean, he put what was it, nearly two decades Mm -hmm. into the Cardinals organization. He knew the Cardinal way, top to bottom, and he was a huge part of that. And that was a huge loss for the organization, in my opinion. And for him to get the second chance, and specifically with the Padres, too, this is going to be a tough task. With all of the stuff that has come out about the clubhouse culture and these guys, you have a ton of superstars that just really didn't pan out. This is going to be a tall task, and I think that for Mike Schilt, it would be a huge challenge for him. And also to prove that he deserves to be a manager to be able to get all of this somehow back on track for the Padres. I mean, the fact that the Padres are allowing their manager to speak to another team, doesn't that kind of give you insight as to what they think about that manager? Yes. I think it's a personal (laughs) issue. According to a big story in The Athletic, A.J. Preller just doesn't like Bob Melvin. But Bob Mm -hmm. Melvin's a really good manager. Mm -hmm. And remember what happened last time. The Padres gave permission to the Giants to interview their manager. It wound up being Bruce Bochy, and they won three World Series. Yeah, that works out for uh, the Padres this time. Yeah, I, I don't think well, you if you have plans if you don't if you're allowing him to talk to other teams, you might as well just fire him. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know agree. there was conversations at the end of the season of whether or not he'd be back. You, you might as well just say, okay, yeah, go ahead. It's yeah. almost like, yeah, if you want him, go ahead and take him. We don't necessarily want him or need him. Clearly, there are a person or people in the Cardinal organization that don't think a lot of Mike Schilt, because he's not here. He's not our manager right now. I think a tremendous amount of Mike Schilt. I think he's, and I don't know him. I never worked with him. I don't know him like people in the organization that don't like him do. I really like Mike Schilt a lot. I do. I Just being able to cover him. I mean, when you win 17 straight games in the manner that he did, and also the fundamentals that he was able to break down. And I know just that Tony La Russa thought very highly of Mike Schilt. I remember Tony LaRusso when he would speak about that. Like he talked very highly of Mike Schilt and what he was able to do. And there was a lot of things that went wrong here. And I think it was just not the right fit 
the philosophical differences, mm-hmm. if you will. And so for him to get a second chance, I think that that's huge because it's a huge loss for the Cardinals organization. I mean, think about just the way that everything panned out. You had somebody who was a huge part of the organization, as we mentioned, worked his way up. So you lose that in your organization. Even Ali Marmal, then he gets moved up. So then that's something that you don't have in your minor league system now. I mean, there was a lot that was affected by losing Mike Schilt in this organization. And for me, Mike Schilt was a bridge to the great past of Mm -hmm. the 2000s and the 2010s. And I don't think the Cardinals really have that. When you lose both Schilt and Mark DeJohn from your system, I don't believe the Cardinals really have that bridge to the greatness that lasted through 2015 when they won 100 games. I just, I I don't think that that's there. So good luck to Mike Schilt. And Kevin Acey of the San Diego Union-Tribune, who covers the Padres, says that Mike Schilt appears to be at the front of the line to replace Bob Melvin. The Blues are in action tonight. They take on the Jets in Winnipeg. We'll have the pregame for you at 645. Tory Krug doesn't have a point yet. How much of a leash does he get from the Blues? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman Lumber. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber is an authorized Yeti dealer and also stocks a large assortment of grills, so celebrate summer with a new Big Green Egg, Weber Gas, or Charcoal Grill, and all of the accessories from Hackman Lumber. Come visit their showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Well, it's early, so, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think we should wait and see how this sorts out. Because you do have the goal from Dr. You've got the goal from Pareko. Uh, part of it this year is, you, well, part of it this year and last year, to be honest with you, Randy has also been the power play. So you're not getting the extra points for Tory Krug. You're not getting the extra points for Justin Falk. Uh, in that mix. So the power play last year wasn't good. And and this year, obviously, it hasn't even picked up a point. So that's part of it. But to your point, for this team to be successful in the play in today's National Hockey League, you have to have active defensemen that participate in the offense. That's the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber. The Blues in action tonight in Winnipeg. That's a 645 pregame here on 101 ESPN. And the Blues will go into that game without receiving a point so far from Corey, Tory Krug in the four games, and he's averaged 22 minutes and 36 seconds of ice time, and the Blues have not had a great deal of success, to put it kindly, on the power play. But Krug is here, and he's making his money to score points. Yes, it's super early, but it's so easy to get to 10 games, and all of a sudden you've got a hole to climb out of. And I wonder 
if the Blues at some point want to take a look at Scott Perunovich and find out what he's capable of in terms of providing offense from the blue line. And I don't think you can play Scott Perunovich and Tori Krug at the same time. No, they're essentially the same player. And I think that when you signed Scott Perunovich to that one-year, one-way contract this past summer, that they were expecting Tory Krug to be moved. But then he uses no trade clause, mm-hmm. which he has every right to do. I liked how he addressed at the beginning of the season media members, and that was really speaking to fans for fans to understand why he wants to stay here in St. Louis. My question would be, how do you work in Scott Perunovich? Because who's going to be the healthy scratch, essentially? Because nobody's injured at this point. You would just be hoping for an injury. And I don't think that you can just bench Tory Krug at this moment, too. Because then how is that exactly going to go over? The contract does play, especially mm-hmm. not just in the NHL, but all professional sports. Yeah. The contract does play. And you have to play that contract with Tory Krug. And if you still possibly want to move him, then you have to keep putting him out there. Well, I think you you have to perform in order to keep getting those opportunities. If you're not performing well, at some point, you know, everyone's going to be looking at the coach. Everyone's going to be looking at you sideways trying to figure out why you're still getting all of this time if you're not performing. It's early. Um, You know, he is starting on the team and time on the ice, so he's playing a lot of minutes Mm -hmm. and getting a lot of time. You do want to see some some more production from him. But, again, we are four games into the season, so I think it's still a little early. And and I think everyone on this team is still adapting to – the new style of play that they're using, especially on the defensive end, making sure that they're all on the same mindset, all tied in, all locked in together. And if you wanted a defenseman to score goals, I mean, he had one and mm-hmm. you sent them away. Kelly Rosen. <laughs> he scored a lot of goals last year. Yeah. He, he, was he didn't mind shooting the puck. I do think, by the way, I'm guilty of this. We look at Tory Krug still as the guy that was signed when Alex Petrangelo left. Mm-hmm. We look at Krug as a guy who's supposed to score a bunch, well, n- not necessarily goals, but make the power play productive. But he's not the only guy on the ice. Yeah. We have to look at everybody else. It's not just Tory Krug, but he's kind of a, a beacon. He's kind of like Rudolph's red nose because he makes the money, because he was signed after Petrangelo left, and because the Blues aren't scoring on the power play. And he's... Hey, when you play the position, quarterback of the power play, it's on you. And because they were talking about trading him. In yeah, the right. Good that, point. That, that's another glaring point. When there's a player that you attempted to trade and he, you know, exercises no trade clause, you're going to have more people watching you closely and intently saying, hey, you said you wanted to be here. You said you wanted to correct what was going on from last year. Come on, let's go. Let's get to it. And so you haven't scored any goals on the power play, which is, I think that's just absurd. I don't know how that's even possible, but you have to figure some things out. And I think as a whole, everyone is, the last game was was I don't think you need to call him any names. (laughs) (laughs) The last game was a very good game. I feel like they, they figured some things out. Maybe it was because they were playing an older team, a slower team in Pittsburgh. Uh, We'll see. I was talking to Alex Ferrario uh, yesterday and he was saying, we'll have a better gauge of what this team is over these next couple of games because these teams are, you know, these are teams that you should beat, but if you struggle or, or kind of just, sludging through the mud against these teams, you probably have a better idea what this Blues hockey team is. And that's a fair point because the Coyotes is a young, fast team, and that's what you saw with the Penguins. 
obviously very talented, but older. Yep. So then you wonder what exactly this Blues team is right now. With Tori Krug, and you mentioned Alex Petrangelo, I find myself guilty of that too, where I think about that whole situation, didn't want to see Alex Petrangelo leave. We know obviously how much he meant to the Blues organization, how much he wanted to stay in St. Louis. It was something that didn't work out financially mm-hmm. and also contract-wise. And then you bring in Tori Krug, and he's battled injuries season after season. Can he stay healthy this year? Can he continue to be a part of this conversation? And, oh, by the way, a big part of the Blues power play was David Perron. And so you lost essentially that player, too, who was a big part of it. And Tory Krug is expected to step into that role. And maybe it's just that health-wise he hasn't been able to really get that going. But you hope that this season he will be able to do that because you need him to do that. He's staying here in St. Louis. He's not going anywhere right here at this moment. And you have to be able to figure this out because Scott Perunovich, he did sign a one-year contract when will we get to be able to see what exactly that looks like because he's also a hobie baker award winner right you got to figure out what's going on there but he's also battled injuries in the past so far in the league colorado hasn't lost they have 10 points or five and oh dallas has not lost in regulation they're three oh and one they're in second place and like armstrong said colorado and dallas at the top of the division here we are five games into the season and those two teams are arizona and nashville both have six points the blues and minnesota have five winnipeg is two and three on the season they're one and two at home and then chicago two and four with only four points so the blues hopefully can take advantage of uh the, the Winnipeg situation tonight and handle the Jets before they go to Calgary on uh, on Thursday night? Yeah, Thursday night, the day after hump day. And Pavel Buchnevich, there was an update about him. It looks like he was out practicing, but will probably be unlikely for tonight's game. He was wearing a no-contact jersey, so, mm-hmm. and I think Jeremy Rutherford tweeted out, he was like, he asked me, he was like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing I don't yet. Know. <laughs> no idea. So I'm going to say no. I'm going to say we're going to have to wait at least maybe one more game, or we're going to see him. I would say probably towards the end or the last game of this road trip. I think Curves made a good point about that line with side on it on the first line instead of Bujanovic. It may have it may actually work out better because he said side brings a little bit more on the defense. Mm-hmm. A two end player where you know Bujanovic is on there. Not that he's not playing defense, but those guys are looking to score first and and be more aggressive on the offensive end. So you know, maybe having Saad up there is a is a blessing in disguise, and now Bujanovic can go down to the second line. Yep. I want to I want to swing back one more point that I want to make about Krug. I think I know enough about the guy, and I like him. He's a, he's a nice guy, and he did have 32 points last year. He led Blues defensemen in points, but I know what he's going to give me. I would rather see Scott Perunovich in the lineup and get an opportunity because I don't know about him. It's not an affront to Tory Krug. It's because I want to find out about the guy that I don't know about. Exactly. You don't know what exactly is going to happen with Scott Perunovich or what he will look like because we haven't been able to see that on a consistent basis. And that is nothing against Tory Crew, but I think that the Blues obviously felt the same way that you did because they were going to try to move him this yeah. offseason. So now you're in this position. I don't know. I mean, you don't... I, at this point, maybe you do want to have somebody be a healthy scratch so you can get Perunovich in there because how many games are we going to wait till we do get to see him? Yeah where he's not going to be in the press box. And if you're up in the press box, you won't injure your foot. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure about that. Coming up, we've got Take It or Leave It. Get your text into the uh, Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YO-HO. next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. 
It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? We'll put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, set it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. To only get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646 Yo-ho! Brooke, Carrie, Matthew, and Randy and guys, we saw yesterday that Giannis Antetokounmpo signed a $186 million three-year think about that, three years, $186 million extension with the Bucks. and as the NBA season starts tonight, the Celtics and the Bucks are the co-favorites to win the title take it or leave it, with Giannis in Milwaukee, they win at least one more championship. Oh, I'm going to take Ooh, it. Yeah, I'm going to take that. Maybe this year with Lillard? Ah. Uh, yes, I mean they they I don't know who else in the in the East is going to uh present any problems. Only Boston. I don't, I don't know. Are they? Cuz they seem to fall. But they got Porzingis now. That didn't that oh. didn't that didn't move me. Come on. Randy, <laughs> Randy. <Brady, laughs> he's having six. Hashtag yeah. heat culture. Yeah. Oh. That Jimmy oh, Butler is determined now to that beat the Bucks oh, because Damian didn't get traded there. That's that true. That doesn't move me. Either. What about Jimmy's hair though? I think it's back to normal. He said oh, heat culture's real. Back to normal. I think it's back to he's normal. He's not emo anymore? Yeah. That <laughs> oh, was so okay. fun. I so thought strange. that was serious. But that's the photo you <laughs> use for the whole season as exactly. a media person because that's his media photo. I love that. By the way, I I'm worried about the old teams. I'm worried about the Lakers. I'm worried about the Warriors. Yeah. I'm worried about mm-hmm. the Suns. Uh, because it's really hard to play in the playoffs, especially now with you have when you have rules against load management. Out. I think it's going to be hard for those teams with mid 30s guys to win. I think the, the I feel I still feel like the Warriors have one more run in them. You know who the scariest team in the league is? Still Denver. Yeah, they are. If you can figure out how to stop Jokic, that would be nice. That'd be, yeah, I don't nobody's know. been able to do that. So, right. so for the last, uh, I guess, 50, 50 minutes, I didn't have a computer. It wasn't working properly. I, I couldn't. Uh, Rock had to restart it. And you get did it a fantastic out. job without was, a computer. Listen, I was well. I got my personal computer. Oh, okay. It's just not the same. Uh, take it or leave it. Not having your all of your work materials is one of the most frustrating things to have go on at work. Oh, oh take it. Take it. It's stressful. You were you were very stressed over here. I was uh, concerned. We were trying to yeah. figure this out. You know what though? It makes you better. So I have another take it or leave it. Mm-hmm. I told you all about my computer last year. Take it or leave it. This computer was about to meet the same fate. Oh, oh I'll take it. Oh, I'll take it. <laughs> I, I I felt it coming. I felt that it would have the same fate. That was on the way. It was, it was nobody gonna be able to use. They're like, what happened here? It's like thrown out the window. What happened? Take it or leave it, guys. Uh, My Tennessee Titans are scuffling. And they traded one of my favorite players, Kevin Byard. They call him the mayor of Murfreesboro because we both went to Middle Tennessee State University, which is located in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, the literal middle of Tennessee. That's why it's called that. And I got to cover Kevin while I was in college and while he was there. He is such a spectacular player on and off the field, does a lot of charity work. Take it or leave it. uh, Derrick Henry will not be far behind him. By the way, he was traded to the Eagles where he'll be reunited with A.J. Brown, which is just fantastic. I don't know who takes Derrick Henry, though. I'm so gonna, I'm going to have to leave it. There, I saw a rumor. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, somebody had a Derrick Henry rumor just yesterday. There's, uh, who needs, needs Derrick Henry? His name's definitely been out there for 
Chicago. Trade. It's got to be a team that's planning on winning this there year, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cowboys, I believe, was the one. I saw the one you were referring Cowboys to. Cowboys is the was, name that, that came to mind. Yeah. Man, they I'll, paid I'm Tony take Pollard, it. didn't they? Can they give Tony Pollard some money? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. Uh, I, so I, 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 will, I will take it. What about um, Cleveland? Yeah. They lost their running back, but I don't know. Oh, it, the team I saw was Buffalo. <sighs> oh. Okay. I don't think that's a bad idea. Yeah. So, there you go. But I'll take it, Brooke, that he does get the Derrick Henry is on his way out of Tennessee. <sighs> sad but true. That's very All right. Sad. Uh, Matthew, what do we have on the text line? Take it or leave it. Um, I thought it was a stipulation whenever you signed on as the Titans GM that you weren't allowed to call Hallie Roseman anymore. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that was the last. That was the last. They didn't put that in the new contract? That was the last. No that was calls last. to the Philadelphia <laughs> area code. Yeah, yeah. please, don't no take more. any calls. Don't, don't send any calls. You, you don't hey, we'll do take anything. some calls. We'll no. take some so, calls. So uh, back if in the it, day when, when, the, <laughs> when the Rams first came here, uh, they had a tight end in their first year named Troy Drayton. Our GM's name was Steve Ortmeyer. And Jimmy Johnson was running the Dolphins at the time. And Jimmy Johnson traded, or Steve Ortmeyer traded Troy Drayton, who was a pretty good tight end, to Miami for an offensive lineman named Billy Milner. And I, I asked Steve Ortmeyer, I said, aren't you worried when Jimmy Johnson calls for one of your players? He said, no, this is a trade that he's not going to win. So, <laughs> Denial. Take it or leave it. Chili with cinnamon rolls. This person sent this in a bunch and I finally relented. Okay, I'll. You're saying two separate things, right? At the same time. Chili. With, with cinnamon rolls. Nah, I'm good. I don't know if you're dipping. That's a, that's I don't know if you're, no, you're not dipping. I don't know if Please you're lathering. That's a no for me, dog. I don't know if you're... <laughs> well, well, no, hold on a second. Brooke, what if it's supposed to be kind of like a fry in the frosty no. kind of situation mm. here? It's a no mm. for me, dog. Mm. No. I'm I'm Close-minded. willing. Not, I'm, not that I dip it, but I'm willing to give this an opportunity, but it needs to be the right cinnamon roll. It can't be one that's like uh, the the Breco cinnamon rolls are delicious. They're they're they've got like a great frosting. This can't be a frosted cinnamon roll, and it With has to be off chili? to the side. I don't the, think the sweet that... and I love the sweet and savory combo. What? There's creative stuff that happens. What is happening? With what is these happening with chili? In. In, no, stop. <laughs> Stop it, St. Louis. Stop real. it. Stop it. We Are got, they pranking um, us? They must be. 618. Oh, my God. We got two, two from two different people. <laughs> 618. Chili with crackers and ranch dressing. Nope. Chili with peanut butter sandwiches. Chili with a PB&J sandwich. In fairness, those are from the 618, the 573, and the 636. I still love you, 314. They are. They are... Chili with peanut butter sandwich is a real thing? Yeah, 314 just texted in and ruined it. Uh, no, chili with a peanut butter sandwich and a glass of milk. I oh, grew up with PBJ and chili? What is happening? Oh. Chili with just oyster crackers oh. is fine. Boy, you holler. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Get back, y'all. There's a there's a lot happening here. I mean, as long as everything is very separate, please no dipping of these things. I no. think that's where chili I'm completely out. Chili with a out. peanut butter sandwich. No jelly, though. No jelly. No jelly? Are you, you have to have jelly. What? <laughs> Where is this there coming are, from? There are literally five or six texts that say <laughs> this. Hey, hey so my food takes don't seem so bad now, do they? It, no, it, it, they still are. But not this is damn. terrible. Chili and cornbread. Thank you. Thank <laughs> Put you. these two on a list. <laughs> uh, take it or leave it. City makes it to the MLS Cup, and they play the game in snow. 
Take oh. it. I like that. It'll, It'll, be, It'll be the second, the early second week of uh, December would be the MLS Cup, December 9th, I believe. Let's good play it. Lord. Yeah, let's yeah. do it. Although, I don't know, with the way the weather's going right now, there's a good chance it might be like 65. Nice, good, nice little breeze going through there on December 9th with the way the weather's going in St. Louis. This is wild. This I, is wild. Are, it's we, a very, are we getting pranked right it's now? It's a very are, yeah. real thing. PBJ in Chile is pretty common in the Midwest. It's like standing outside to watch a tornado. Which Excuse I've never me. done either. Um, no, uh, you don't do that. No, no? you don't. I, you don't go. Stay. I, I, I I'm gonna go take a look at this. That's a different. That's a different kind of thing. That's a different kind of thing. Somebody said chili with a Peter butter sandwich. Why are you eating Peter and putting him in butter? <laughs> thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And thank you very much for your millions of texts about chili here on 101 ESPN. Uh, coming up, what do the Cardinals have to do to get to the level of teams like the Rangers and the Phillies and the Diamondbacks? That's next on 101. ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the opening drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnooks Rewards. It pays to shop at Schnooks. Download the Schnooks Rewards app today. Check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. It's the opening drive with Brooke Grimsley, Kerry Davis, and Randy Carricker. And tomorrow at this time, we'll know the matchup for the 2023 World Series. It will be the Texas Rangers against either the Philadelphia Phillies or the Arizona Diamondbacks. And when you look at the Cardinals and try to compare and find out what the Cardinals need to do during this offseason to get to a World Series level, the thing that strikes me Brooke and Carey right off the bat is that the Phillies have Wheeler and Nola. The Diamondbacks have Gallon and Kelly. The Rangers have Evaldi and Scherzer and Montgomery. Those teams all have top two starters. They, they have a one-two punch that the Cardinals don't have anybody that could penetrate. The, the Cardinals need to start there, and yeah. we all know that. It's obvious. The Cardinals need to start with starting pitching, but there's a lot more that goes into this. Starting pitching is is the first, I guess, um, thing you need to scratch off of your list. They, they have to go out and get ace, an ace, a, a, a 1A, 1B type pitching uh, to get this thing rolling because they, they got some holes to fill. Then you need to go to the relievers. You need to figure out who can come up and compete in high leverage situations and, and not falter, not fold, uh, and can do it consistently night after night. And hopefully your starting pitcher does, starting pitching does not have them doing too many any eating up too many innings each game, uh, finding out who your closer is. And then I think the final thing is figuring out what the lineup is going to be every single day, having some consistency. The Atlanta Braves, we talked about it. They played their nine position players, eight position players played every single day, pretty much almost every day. They, they may have missed five to ten games each amongst them. So those guys playing 150 games, 145 games plus, uh, it just leads to that consistency and knowing where you are and where you're going to be batting in the lineup every single day. It gives you you know, more confidence. And to your point about lineup consistency, the Braves only had one regular that didn't start at least 139 games. That was the catcher, yes. where they had yep. two good ones in go. Darno yeah. and Sean Murphy. The Rangers also do that. The Rangers put out the same lineup, mm-hmm. essentially, 
every single game. And you've seen that consistently. And they're the perfect balance of these veteran players and then young players. I think that's really what the Cardinals were hoping would happen this season, especially when it came to players on the position side of things, is that they were hoping some of these young guys would mesh at the perfect time with these veteran guys. And I think that they were hoping that they would outslug everybody and you could out hit them. But you can't do that on a consistent basis. The biggest thing is the starting pitching CD, as you mentioned, that is priority number one. I mean, there's no way around it. Every single team in this postseason has a two-headed monster, essentially. The Cardinals need that. They don't have that threat currently, so that's something they have to go get this offseason. And then if that's going to be priority number one, bullpen is 1A. Because that has to be addressed. Yeah, If you look at the Cardinal bullpen now with Helsley as your closer, Gallegos, Romero, Verhagen probably won't be back. Palante, Jean King, that is not a group that in the last season inspired much confidence. And then you look at what, for example, Philadelphia has. And uh, The Athletic had a great piece about the Philadelphia bullpen and Dave Dombrowski, non-analytics guy, building that bullpen. But when they bring in Kimbrell and Alvarado and they bring in that Matt Strom to finish games who throws the daylights out of the ball and Kirkering and Soto who's been an all-star and Sir Anthony Dominguez, they're loaded in the bullpen. Texas is loaded now in the bullpen. After struggling for most of the season, they kind of rebuilt things on the fly and they have a lot of really good pitching down there. And Arizona, while a young bullpen, has a group of people that give you a different look every single day. You know what else I think will help the Cardinals is a healthy competition in spring training. You you have to earn that that three, four, five spot in the rotation. And if not, then you'll probably be in the bullpen. And, and you know, Steven Matz, I th- thought, did a great job returning back to the starting rotation after struggling earlier in mm-hmm. the season. But I don't think anybody other than Miles Michaelis, because you've paid him and he's he's shown it, you know, consistently throughout his entire career, I, can you say with great conviction that any of these guys deserve to be in the starting rotation None. just Not without one. competing for it? So I, I think you have to have that competition. That has to be the mindset. You all are fighting. Not not fighting for a roster spot because you've been paid. You're going to be here. But fighting for the, the, the right to be one of those five starters. And if not, you'll have you'll be one of our bullpen guys, high leverage or, or not. It's just depending upon how well or you perform or how well you, how, how you don't. I hope that competition has started now, especially on the pitching side. I hope that the Cardinals gave some of these players, especially like a Matthew Libertor, a plan of what exactly, what role that they want to see them in going into spring training and going to the season so that you're not once again behind the ball on figuring out who's going to be where. Zach Thompson, is he going to be a starter? I hope that he's going to be somebody that you look at as a starter. But as you're identifying these roles, and I know that this is very, you know, it hinges on if you're going to go get certain pitchers. But if you say you're going to go get, two, three starting pitchers, then you should already have given a plan to Zach Thompson, to Matthew Libertor on what roles that you want for them Mm -hmm. next season. So you're already working ahead instead of what you saw this season, where a lot of these pitchers, the plan changed several times throughout the season, and you're already behind. Defensively, the Cardinals in 2023 were 20th in defensive runs saved. The Diamondbacks were 4th. The Rangers were 7th. And Philadelphia was down the list. They were 27th. But... Philadelphia offsets the bad defensive metrics with Nick Castellanos and Kyle Schwarber. (laughs) They're two not great outfielders, but you've got one guy that hit almost 50 home runs and another guy that drove in almost 100 runs. For me, because of what the Cardinals are, the only guy that really kind of fits that role right now is Nolan Gorman, the guy whose offense can offset 
lacking defense. Otherwise, I believe that, and especially with Jordan Walker, they need to play better defense, way better defense than they did this year. I thought Jordan got a lot better as the season went on. He started making strides towards the to, to being a much better outfielder. I assume that it'll only get better uh, for 2024. The question is, who's in the outfield? Lars, is he your center fielder? Is he your left fielder? If not, who's your center fielder? Is it Tommy Edmond playing center field every day? Okay, well, who's playing second base? That goes back to the consistency. Who is playing where every single day? getting familiar, getting comfortable with it. If you put Tommy Edmond in center field every day, he's probably a, a gold glove center fielder. I mm-hmm. mean, finalist, at least, because he does a fantastic job of getting the balls. Doesn't have the strongest arm, but he's going to track down balls that other center fielders won't. If you put him at second base every day, he already has won a gold glove at that position. So he's a gold glove center fielder or a gold glove second baseman, but having him at one every single game, I think, helps with you know, helps the defense. It helps you be more consistent. But finding out who else is going to play in that outfield alongside those other two guys. And figure out which guys that you trust in those roles. Because I think that's a big thing to take away from all these teams, but especially when we were talking about the Braves earlier, is those defined roles so that those guys can consistently grow in that position and feel comfortable in it. And of course, competition is warranted, especially when you're still trying to figure out this outfield and everything that's going on. But knowing here you're this is your role this is your spot and I hope that they identified that going into this offseason and have a plan on how to handle that so that you're not going to be behind when it comes to spring training and then even going the season because you can't have all this stuff going on that you saw this season I know that there was injuries especially with Tyler O'Neill. I think that they were banking on Tyler O'Neill to actually be a more consistent player than what he was this year but then it seemed like the plans just were flying by the seat of their pants essentially and Brooke that that leads me to one more thing here, and I'm not even going to get into the manager because I think Bochi, if he wanted to, could paint by numbers. I think Rob Thompson could. I think that Tori Lavolo could. But this year, the Rangers, games played, the catcher 131, first baseman 161, second baseman 162, shortstop 119, uh, the uh, third baseman played 122, 107 for Travis Jankowski in left. The center fielder played 143. The right fielder played 148. So you had a bunch of guys playing games. Uh, for Philadelphia, you had a bunch of guys playing games, and you didn't have a, a ton of injuries. Uh, you had uh, Real Muto playing 134. You had Stott play 151. Turner 155. Bohm 145. Schwarber 160. Marsh, 133. Castellanos, 157. Harper, 126. The Cardinals, uh, along these lines, in terms of their starters playing games, uh, you had uh, Contreras at 125, Goldie at 154. Gorman only played 119. Nominally, DeYoung was your shortstop, but he was out for a long time. Arenado did play 144, but Tyler O'Neill only played 72. Newt Barr only played 117. Walker only played 117. Burleson only played 107. You need to have more consistency and more health from your lineup, and that's just something that the Cardinals need to fix. Yeah, and how do you fix that? Do you address the changes when it comes to strength and conditioning this offseason? We talked about it before that... A lot of these teams, too, and with the Diamondbacks, I believe it was specifically overhauled their strength and conditioning. Mm -hmm. And I think that that maybe is something that you look into because there has to be something there. I know that it is on the players to manage their health and everything they're doing. But when you had so many injuries this season, other than Lars Newbar, the Lars Newbar one was a freak accident that could happen. The contact injury? Yes, the Mm -hmm. contact injury. Well. 
contact injury. Um, outside of that, when you hear that Matthew Libertor got hurt during training, and then you hear some of the other ones, you start to wonder maybe if there's something that could Steven be adjusted. Matt, didn't he get hurt in? Wasn't he working out as well? Deadlifting. Uh, Wayno like was. That. I thought yeah. Stephen Matz got hurt. I think he was. Yeah. Deadlifting. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then you had the guys with the the bad back. When, when did that? Start, right? <laughs> oh, about a week back. Okay. We got to get rid of that. That is <laughs> that is something that has to be addressed. You know, yeah. I said that starting pitching one, one A is bullpen, and then two is going to be back issues. I, there we go. I, I also I'm looking at these numbers, and and so I think the Cardinals also have to. You talked about how they trusted Tyler O'Neill and Dylan Carlson um, coming into this season. I think if you are the Cardinals, I, maybe that ship has sailed on both of those guys because you've seen enough of them. Carlson has played 388 games. O'Neill has played 477 games. You know who they are, and that's in six years for for O'Neill. So he's not playing nearly enough games per year to know what he is. Looking at Adolis Garcia, he played 21 games in a Cardinal uniform before you said, ah, that's enough. Wow. That's enough. Randy Rosarina, he played 19 games yeah. in a Cardinals uniform. Yeah. That's enough. We don't need to see enough. But you will – we have to continue to see other guys that I, – I don't – Got to make it. Got to make it make sense. So, if you've seen enough, if you had saw enough from Garcia and Rosarina after after I guess forty games combined, I would assume you've seen enough from from the other guys after almost a thousand games, seven hundred, eight hundred games combined. Tyler Dillon, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice. Can't can't, can't get fooled again. Can't get fooled again. <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> well done. That's where I was going. Uh, so that's today's Fresh Take on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to talk to John Kelly from Winnipeg here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. As we head into the Blues Booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. A proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. Carrie Davis, Randy Carricker, the opening drive, 101 ESPN, the Blues at Winnipeg tonight, and you'll be able to hear that game here on 101 ESPN, see it on Valley Sports with our own Jamie Rivers and the gentleman who joins us this morning, as he does every Tuesday morning, the TV voice of the Blues, John Kelly. JK, good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Good. Hey, how impressive was the, the bounce back win over Pittsburgh to you on Saturday night? It was extremely impressive, and, you know, it's coming off a very disappointing effort a couple of nights earlier against the Arizona Coyotes, and, you know, you didn't really know what to make of that game, um, but the Blues really picked it up and played, I think, their best 60-minute game of the season. So, uh, you know, that's a good team over there, the Pittsburgh Penguins, <laughs> with the, the likes of Crosby and Malkin. I don't think that I need to tell you guys that, and the Blues really – um, you know, they made uh, had some big saves early from Jordan Bennington, um, but for the most part, I think they really controlled the goal and got some big goals and won the game 4-2, so it was great to see. J.K., it was obviously the Brandon Saad game outside of Jordan Bennington's performance, which was fantastic, but Brandon Saad, also really, really good. What do you think about him on the top line with Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo? Well, I think we talked about it last week when Buchnevich went down with his injury is that, you know, not only does he have the, the speed and, 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 and a lot of skill, 
but I think he's a really dependable two-way player. And I think that's good for younger players, especially like Thomas and Cairo. And I think he's a good fit there. Um, so I, I, I've liked the line. And obviously in the last game, it was their best game together. I know they've only played a couple. But, uh, you know, Buchnevich has skated the last couple of days. And we'll see if he is ready to go tonight. Um, not really sure at all. We'll find out at the morning skate. But, um, you know, in the meantime, Saad has done a really good job there. And, and his speed is, is very deceptive, as, as we know, and really could have had three or four goals the other night. That's how well he played. J.K., can you talk about what goes into, I guess, the difference from how they played against the Coyotes to how they played against the Penguins? What, what changed? What shifted? Well, it's a good question, Kerry. I, I think the biggest difference to me is their connectivity, if that's a word. Um, they were together all night, and conversely, against the Coyotes, they were they weren't together. And you know, they come into the zone. One guy was on the puck and had no support, and for the most part, they were one and done in the offensive zone. Um, in, in the last game, they moved up the ice as a five man unit, had a lot of great puck support. You know, scored some great goals off the rush and things like that. And defensively, they, they, they packed it in again and played really well. So I think that's the biggest thing is they played uh, together as a five-man unit. And I know that the coach talked a lot about execution and passing, and their passing and execution was, was miles better than it was on Thursday. That's pretty obvious. So I'd say those are the two biggest things, the execution and the uh, how, how connected they were all night. And they still haven't found uh, how to get the puck in on the power play. What 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 needs to happen there? Is it just shooting the puck more, being more connected, as you said, or, or is there something else that's missing? Well, I think the last two um, games, the, you know, the, not, not the last two games, but the power play, I think, was, was pretty good in the last game. I think they had a, a number of pretty, you know, good chances on their two power plays. And the last power play against... Arizona, when they put the second unit on, was very good. I, you know, I get the sense, I'm not trying to be a homer here, but I get the sense that it's coming and, and they're on to something, and hopefully I'm right because special teams, as we know, are critical every single night. Um, so they, they've got to find a way. And the power play struggled last year, and historically under Berube and before him under Hitchcock and Mike Yo, the Blues have had a very good power play. So, you know, hopefully that it's just an early season not slump necessarily, but I think it's too early for that. But I, I do think that it is getting better, and hopefully they can get rewarded tonight here in Winnipeg. John Kelly is with us on 101 ESPN. And, J.K., we really haven't had an opportunity with Jake Neighbors to see him consistently, but they move him up to the second line the other night. When you look at the Jake Neighbors skill set, does, does and we don't know if the player is going to wind up being a top six player, but does his skill set show you that he has that capability to be a top six? Well, I think the jury's out on that, Randy. I think that for sure he's a top nine player. And, you know, whether he can move consistently from, say, third line left wing to second line left wing, you know, that's a big step because, you know, now you're expecting from your second line left winger to score, uh, you would think, at least 20 goals, if not 30. Um, Is he capable of that? I don't know. He's still such a young player. Um, but I do know the two things that I really like about Jake are, are number one is speed. He's a good skater, um, and that's so important in today's game. And the other thing is he thinks the game very well. He's a smart hockey player. If you watch him play, he you know puts pucks in right places, you know goes to the front of the net, does things like that, and he, he's fearless. So he has a lot of really good attributes, 
Um, but whether it translates into being a 30-goal scorer or a 15- or 20-goal scorer, I, I really think it's too early to say. Um, but he's a good kid, very respectful, and I know the Blues think a lot of him. Pavel Buchnevich was out at practice and practicing the other day, but still wearing a no-contact jersey. It seems like that he'll be questionable for tonight, but when he does return, are you putting him on the second line or are you putting him back on the top line, and how much does that change things? <laughs> um, probably a better question for the coach, right? He's the coach. <laughs> what would I do? I would put Buchnevich back on the top line um, and and put Saad back where he was, so... You know, I think that you go through all of camp and you use different combinations, you know, either twosomes or, or threesomes, and you like what you've seen. There's no reason after a game or two just because of one injury to, to break that up and not come back with that. So, Buchnevich, I think, has special chemistry with Robert Thomas and, and Kyra. They played a lot together last year. So, I like that unit, and obviously I like Brandon Sod. So, um, it's a good problem to have, really, when you have, you know, Again, it's a young season, but, you know, neighbors coming off a really good game and um, assuming he plays in that same spot tonight, um, you like internal competition because you want all your players to perform to their best, right? So um, I think it's a good problem to have that, you know, neighbors had a really good game and hopefully another one tonight and make those decisions tough on the coach. Jordan Bennington has been playing his butt off. He's been outstanding so far this season. What are you seeing from him uh, in terms of how well he's playing? You know, Kerry, I think two things. Um, number one, I've, I've always said that when, when, when he, he plays well, and for that matter, really any goaltender, he's aggressive. You know, he's, he's out of that blue paint, out of that goal crease, at the top of the crease or out even farther, and challenging shooters, you know, taking away their shooting angles and things like that. And, and the other thing, and, and Jamie Rivers mentioned this on the broadcast the other night, is that pucks seem to be just sticking to him. Mm. And that's a great thing. You know, why that is, I don't know. Um, but, you know, when, when he absorbs a shot on his pads or his, you know, the midsection, whatever, the, he's not giving up giant, juicy rebounds. So um, his rebound control is really good. And he's really aggressive. And I think if you have those two things as a goaltender, um, you're, you're, you're going to be fine. So early on, he's been obviously awesome. And um, I expect that to continue here tonight. And with, with that being the case, Joel Hofer, uh, who's from Winnipeg, probably has some fr- friends and family in the stands, but they won't get to see him. But, John, would you anticipate with the Blues playing back-to-back at Calgary and Vancouver on Thursday and Friday, would you anticipate that we'll probably see Hofer in one of those games? Yeah, no question, Randy. You know, Coach Berube has has really never played any goaltender. Um, and Binton's been his number one guy since he took over, obviously. Mm-hmm. He doesn't play him on back-to-back nights. So, as you said, the Blues play Calgary Thursday, Vancouver Friday. You know, you have travel involved and things like that. So, I don't think there's any question that he would play in one of the two games on either Thursday or Friday. But, uh, you know, he, he had a tough night against Arizona. Um, but at the same time, I think if you look at that game, he, he made a lot of really good saves. And, uh, you know, could he have had the, the third goal back or maybe another one perhaps? Um, but, you know, I, I don't think that his play really was reflective of the score. I think he, as I said, he faced 42 shots on goal and didn't have a, sh- a chance really on a lot of them. So I, I'd like to see him bounce back and, you know, get in the net, you know, sooner than later. And I think he will on Thursday or Friday. John Kelly, always good to hear your voice. Thanks so much for the time. Have a great day in Winnipeg, and we will be tuned in tonight as the Blues take on the Jets.
All right. Thanks for having me. We'll talk to you next week. You bet. Thank you, sir. John Kelly and Jamie Rivers tonight on Bally Sports with the Blues at Winnipeg. And then, as we mentioned, at Calgary on Thursday and at Winnipeg or at uh, Vancouver on Friday. Brooke is here. Carrie is here. I'm Randy. And we have a returning fighter for the fight coming up next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight! In the red corner, average Joe listener! And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive! Please welcome Randy Carricker! Opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley, and it is time for the fight. And our fighter returning for a second day is Dan. Dan, how you doing? Good. How are you guys doing? Good. Doing well. It'd be much better if I wasn't staring at Adolis Garcia raising his ALCS MVP trophy. But it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of Adolis Garcia, which starting pitcher did the Cardinals DFA Adolis Garcia to sign in December of 2019? Was it Daniel Ponce de Leon, Seth Eldridge, or KK Kim? Let's go De Leon. Tonight will be the first game seven for the Phillies franchise and the second for the Diamondbacks. Who did the D-backs beat in their first ever game seven? Was it the Brewers, the Marlins, or the Yankees? Marlins. We talked about defensive scoring earlier in the show. Which defenseman holds the Blues' single-season record for scoring uh, for the position with 78? Is it Jeff Brown, Al McInnes, or Rob Ramage? McInnes. AJ Brown is the second player, second ever player to put up 125 plus receiving yards in five straight games. Which other 21st century receiver was the first to do it? Julio Jones, Larry Fitzgerald, or Calvin Johnson? Calvin Johnson. All right, we'll do a double check our score and we will bring in Randy Carricker. All right, Dan, how you feel? Not as great as yesterday. Uh, well, you know, that tends to happen. Rock is uh, a little sneaky with his questions on back-to-back days. Yeah. It makes it tough for... <laughs> Rock's so you... offended. He's so offended. I, I'm just praise, brother. I'm giving you praise for your tough questions. Jeez. Now, if they're tough for Randy, then I'll give you double the praise. <laughs> Randy, say hello to Dan again. Dan, good morning. How you doing? Good, how you doing? Doing well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. We do appreciate it. All right, Randy, you ready? Ready. All right. Which starting pitcher did the Cardinals DFA Adolis Garcia to sign in December of 2019? December of 2019, the starting pitcher that they would have signed. Um, No one. Hmm? No, go ahead. I was thinking. Oh, okay. Um... I, I know, but I don't know. So I'm just so that uh, we can do it, so we don't have people texting in and saying Randy needs a clock. Um, I'll do the lifeline. Daniel Ponce de Leon, Seth Eldridge, or KK Kim? I think it was 
uh, let's see, KK was, it would have been KK, yeah, because they already had Seth Elledge, and Daniel Ponce de Leon, I believe, was already on the roster, so KK. This is December 2019, right? Yep. Yep, okay. Tonight will be the first Game 7 for the Phillies franchise and the second for the Diamondbacks. Who did the D-backs beat in their first ever Game 7? First ever Game 7 for the Diamondbacks. Let's see, they had the uh, Yankees in 2001, 98, 99, 2000. They didn't uh, go because the Cardinals got them in 2000. Uh, and we did not have a Game 7 against them because it was a five-game series. Uh, and then 2001, we lost them in the first round. I don't remember who they had in the 2001 uh, I, I'm going to say that it was the uh, the Yankees in the 2001 World Series. Diamondbacks' first Game 7, I'm going to say, was 2001 World Series Game 7. Yeah, Yankees. I'll go with it. We talked about defensive scoring earlier in the show. Which defenseman holds the Blues' single-season record for the position with 78? I will go with Al McInnes, please. The year he won the Norris Trophy. A.J. Brown is the second ever player to put up 125-plus receiving yards in five straight games. Which other 21st century receiver was the first to do it? Hmm. you think that Torrey Holt would have, right? With all of those 1,300-yard seasons that he had, localized, Torrey, you would think that maybe. You know, but maybe it was Jerry Rice. Maybe he had five consecutive 125-yard games. Uh, let's see, Julio Jones. Um... He, he had a lot of yards. I think he broke Torrey's record. But I'm going to go with Calvin Johnson. I knew you knew the answer. <laughs> like, I, I knew. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Apparently, just... he knew the answer for number four, but did he know the answer for any of the other Ooh. questions? Megamind here trying to stop Dan from a round two win as he tries to go for the Hall of Fame. Did Megamind do it? Or is Dan undefeated for the week with another win on Tuesday? Ring that bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Just win, baby. I'm sorry, Dan. Randy beat you today, three to one in the fight. Oh, okay. Appreciate guys. No problem. Thank, thank you so much for thanks joining for the show. And thank you. Thanks for playing. And which starting pitcher did the P- the Cardinals DFA Adoles Garcia to sign in December 2019? It was, in fact, KK Kim, who went on for two solid seasons with the Cardinals. Adoles Garcia did nothing after that. So no. solid, solid move solid. overall. Yeah. Tonight will be. Well. What? It worked out well. He's all, I mean, he's already 30. It's not like he's got that much of his career left. <laughs> Tonight will be the first game seven for the Phillies franchise, the second ever for the Diamondbacks. The first one, of course, was their game seven win over the Yankees in the 2001. World Series. We talked about defensive scoring earlier in the show. Jeff Brown with 78 points in 1992-93. Brown, owns, eh? Yeah, owns owns the Blues D-man single season scoring record. And A.J. Brown is the second ever player to put up 125 receiving yards in five straight games. The other player to do it even more just like perfect wide receiver out of a lab than A.J. Brown is. Calvin Johnson, the only other one to do it. I mean, can you can you Megatron. build can you build two better wide receivers than A.J. Brown and Calvin Johnson? I think it's like the perfect wide receiver. And I called it a sad stat. T.O. Sad stat. T.O. is another one. Just insane. So a 3-1 win for Randy Carricker in the fight. Again, thank you so much, Dan, for joining the fight and joining the show today. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Dan. I remember asking Mike Martz, because Mike Martz always talked about how he liked 
uh, a smaller mobile receiver over a big immobile receiver that couldn't get in and out of cuts. Uh, guys like David Boston and T.O. Uh, T.O. Yeah. was uh, mm-hmm. Randy Moss. They weren't great at getting out of cuts. And I asked him about that with Calvin Johnson. He said, well, my real preference is to have a guy like Calvin who's huge and can get in and out of cuts. <laughs> <laughs> he was something. Uh, this is the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Coming up, the NBA season starts tonight. It's Christmas for Matthew Rocchio. And Kerry Davis. And Kerry Davis. Mm-hmm. The Nuggets are the defending champions, but but should they be the favorites? And who has a chance to dethrone Denver? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. season starts tonight and the best thing about that is that uh, TNT's pre and post game show is back it's great tonight they've got Lakers Nuggets at 630 and then Suns Warriors so a couple of really interesting games we're heading down the stretch you've got to savor LeBron James when you get an opportunity to see him but we're, we're in the same boat really with Steph Curry and you never know how long Clay Thompson is going to last. And Kevin Durant, right? Uh, yeah. KD, you never know. Every time he steps on the floor, it could be the last time he steps on the floor. So if you're an NBA fan, these are two games to start the season watching. Oh, yeah, you have to be excited about I mean, I'm, I'm excited about the NBA season. It is uh, it's fun. It's fantastic. It's fast-paced. You get to see some of the best athletes in the world compete, compete against each other. And, you know, seeing the Lakers go up against the Nuggets, I think is going to be a great – it's a great matchup because Denver, for for as much as you see the thrills of all of the other teams, Denver just is steady pounding the pavement, mm-hmm. just going forward about their business. There's nothing uh, overly athletic about Jokic. He just – kills like he's he's a a man amongst men and it's fun to watch him because he's going to get 25 28 points and 12 rebounds in his sleep and so you know it's tough to stop him uh, the nuggets are are a really good basketball team with jamal murray um and then you get the warriors versus the the suns that to me is is you know at, see what this suns team looks like with those three booker durant and um bill that's mm-hmm. going to be intriguing to see how they all mesh together. And to see Chris Paul, I, I guess he's in the starting lineup mm-hmm. for the Warriors, which I didn't expect. I thought he would be coming off the bench, but I guess he's going to be starting with them. So now you're going to have Steph off of the ball often, and he's going to be, Chris Paul is going to be facilitating. He's going to be, I think that team is going to be changed as well. I wonder if you, it's interesting for Chris Paul to facilitate from 30 feet. Uh, <laughs> he's going to be. I mean, he he's he's going to have a lot of assists. Yeah, probably yeah, yeah. the most assists he's ever had in his career. It seems to me like the two most interesting teams. You mentioned the Nuggets there, but also with the addition of Damian Lillard and then everything with Giannis, the yep. Bucks to me look like they could be really the team to beat this season. The, in the East, I, I definitely think. I mean, I was talking. We were talking about it earlier. Who was who was going to challenge them? I don't think the Miami Heat have enough. I don't think, I mean, because Bam Adebayo literally, it, feel, well, it, it feels like he's literally disappearing mm-hmm. some playoffs. Like he's like, you see him out there, but he's not there. You it's, call him celery, remember? It, it, just an addition. <laughs> just, just, you know, he, uh, he's there, but do you really want to eat it? No, I mean, it's, 
it's hard to watch him at times in the playoffs. You know Jimmy Butler is going to give you everything he's got. Uh, but you talked about the Boston Celtics. I don't know that Chris Stapps Porzingis, the addition to him maybe five years ago, we would have been jumping through the through the roof. But now, I don't know how much more he brings to this team. But they, they also made a big move to bring in Holiday. That, that's the move, right. Yeah. Bringing in Drew Holiday, I think, definitely adds, adds uh, depth to their team and, and a guy that can make some big shots when needed. Well, the Bucks are going to be playing the 76ers on Thursday. And the big story around the Sixers right now is James Harden. Where is James Harden? We're talking about celery and we're talking about Bam <laughs> being missing. What about James Harden and everything that's going on with him? Woj reacted to how the Sixers can kind of handle this situation, if they can do anything to kind of poke and prod James Harden to get back. Uh, Malika, no, it is unclear whether James Harden, uh, when and if James Harden plans to return to Philadelphia. Now, the organization has taken him at his word uh, that he's away on a personal matter, that there is something that he has to attend to. You know, they are certainly within their rights uh, to start fining uh, James Harden as much as $390,000 a game for each missed game. And that comes out of his, you know, $35.6 million uh, salary this season. So certainly uh, the Sixers want James Harden in the lineup. They want him to play. He has wanted a trade. He continues to want to trade. Talks with the Clippers have not progressed. There's not been any traction or, or anything close on a possible deal. Uh, but at this point, Malika, you know, the Sixers are taking James Harden at his word uh, that he has and, and giving him the ability to have an excused absence. But how much longer they do that uh, remains to be seen. So I'm just trying to understand the plan here because I know that he has issues with the Sixers president, Daryl Morey, and we saw all that play out, especially this summer where he's very vocal about how he felt like he was a liar. But if he is also not, according to reports too, he's not athletically ready, what is the game plan here for James Harden? What is the best case scenario for everybody in this situation? Well, first, Brooke, you asked where he is, and I think that's uh, evident. He's at, the, he's at the club. Oh, no question. <laughs> what time is it? But here's the thing. 52. Not yet. Well, he just he's he getting, might be he's just getting ready leaving. for the buffet, yeah. the lunch yeah, buffet. Right. Just left. He, he was more than happy to sign a contract with Houston and was a jerk and forced his way out of there. He was more than happy to join up in Brooklyn and he was a jerk and forced his way out of there and blew up that big three. And then he went to Philadelphia, said he was happy and is a jerk and is trying to force his way out of there. There's no way that I would want this guy. And he led the league in assists. He's a great player. I would not want that guy on my team because he's not reliable. And I'm shocked that teams would give up a lot to get James Harden. The most valuable that he would be to somebody is to... Philadelphia, because if he's there and engaged and in shape, he and Embiid together, that's one team that could challenge the Milwaukee Bucks. But he's not going to be there. You just can't count on him. He, he he's right now the least reliable superstar in the NBA. It, it, I'm looking at the when I think about the 76ers. I mean, you had the whole Ben Simmons ordeal a couple of years ago. Now you got James Harden. You had the trust the process ordeal where they were drafting Markel Fultz and and all of the guys uh, Okafor. They they just drafted a bunch of guys that didn't pan out. We talk about organizations that are some of the worst organizations in sports. In the last 10 to 15 years, do you put the the 76ers in that in that? Uh, on that list because obviously Joel Embiid has won an MVP. He, he's done a fantastic job, but he's essentially the only one. You talk about all of the other failures that they've had, whether it be drafting or bringing players in that they can't keep in-house. 
That's not a great organization. And they haven't won a championship. They told us to trust the process, and the process has been been long gone. Yeah, the process did not work. No. And that made them one of the worst organizations. They did use enough so uh, enough of their assets so that they got to a conference finals. But that's not enough. That, that's when, that's when one conference yeah. finals in, in, in this, I guess, 10 to 15, I won, almost maybe 20 years. And had a top five pick probably yeah. eight years. Yes. Yeah. Like, that's, so, not, no, that's not great. It's, I would rate them as one of the worst organizations, absolutely. Now, let me give you a couple of sleepers. And one of them is if they don't get Harden. And by the way, could you imagine if James Harden and Russell Westbrook were back on the same team together? <laughs> that would be Wouldn't that ah, be entertaining? Fun. With George and Kawhi? Get clean now, fun. what about a team like Atlanta that has a really good coach now? I don't know if you noticed, but former Mizzou coach Quinn Snyder is in Atlanta, and he's a really good NBA coach. He did a great job with Utah. And they've got Trey Young and DeJounte Murray in the backcourt. Uh, they need some help up front. They have Hunter and Sadiq Bey and Clint Capella, who might be past his prime uh, on the front court. But they might be able to get enough out of that backcourt offensively so that Quinn can develop some connectivity among his players and build enough defense so that they can compete. They should at least be in the hunt for their division. Uh, Yeah, I I mean, you're looking at them and saying... how much do you expect, though? What what can you expect? You said Clint Capella. What what more does he well, have left in the tank? That's that's my thing. Is I think that they can surprise people. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're a championship contender, but I, I do think that they're one of the teams that you say, okay, uh, the odds are against them, but could they win a division? I think absolutely they could. Yeah, it's possible. Right, but there there are so many so many other better teams. <laughs> suited to, to win yeah. as and opposed to them. The only other team in their division is Miami, by the way. I mean, okay. it's it's Washington, it's Orlando, it's Charlotte. So winning that division isn't saying much, but I do think that that's a team that can ascend. Atlanta. Yeah, I, I agree. I, Trey Young has to has to. He is a. I don't know. I don't know where he is in terms of superstardom. I don't know if he's a star. I don't know if he's a superstar. I don't know if he's on the cusp of being a superstar. I don't think he's there yet. But what about Murray? I, I I thought that they would work better together than they it didn't. You assumed with him coming over from from San Antonio that this would be a match made in heaven and it would work out and that team would ascend. But I think they weren't as good last year as they were the year before. So you're you're looking at again it, it's on 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 Trey Young. Is he a superstar or is he just a star in this league? Because there is a a huge difference between guys when you're a superstar. Mm-hmm. You know that's the level is completely different. I think Justin Tatum is on uh, Jason Tatum is on that same level as well. Is he a superstar? He's definitely a star. But when you're a superstar, you don't you don't you know shrink or, or minimize yourself come playoff and time. here's the question can quinn snyder maximize trey young and the, he he's a guy that maximized players that weren't superstars yeah. in, in utah can he maximize a superstar i think those guys were different though yeah like mike conley and and those guys that was a different group a different crew like those were were blue collar hard head guys and they're going to show up and work their tails off and worked as a unit i don't think they had uh guys that were on the cusp of being superstar donovan um, Donovan Edwards mm-hmm. was is is it Mitchell. Mitchell, Donovan yeah. Mitchell? Excuse yes. me, is is on that level, but he's on the same thing. Is he a superstar? Is he a star? Uh, 
you know, I, I think Trey Young has the potential to be a superstar, and and they got to get it out of him. Every year, the Missouri Athletic Club honors the College Player of the Year. And a few years ago, we were broadcasting in the fast lane over there, and Trey Young walks in with a giant Emo's pizza, <laughs> XXL pizza, and so he's he said Tatum turned it on, to, turned him on to it. He said I had to go get an Emo's, and he took it up to his room, and he told us later in an interview that he finished it. So I've been a Trey Young fan ever since because he's an Emo's guy. <laughs> we need a St. Louis team. Yeah, yeah. just bring real- the Hawks. Back. Yeah, just real quick, we were talking about the Hawks, but I want to ask you guys too. What do you guys think about the Phoenix Suns going into this season? That's what I said. I think it'll be intriguing to see how Bill Durant and and uh, Booker all mesh. Anytime you have three elite scorers, one of those guys are going to have to take a step back and mm-hmm. take a seat, take a you know score less points. They're going to go from scoring twenty five to twenty seven points a game to. <laughs> Probably under 20. It's and not going to be Booker and, or and Durant. it ain't going to be either one of them. I can guarantee you to ask, ask Chris Bosh how that turned yeah. out for him. Like You're going to take a step back in scoring. Ask um, the Clay Thompson when, when KD got there. It mm-hmm. happens. It's a part of the game. And so is is Bradley Beal going to accept that role and be okay with not not being a leading scorer every single night because it's going to be KD and it's going to be Devin Booker and you know you may lead the team in scoring 10 15 times in a year but you're going to win more games than he's won his entire career so you have to take that into consideration as well. Next on the depth chart, by the way, behind Bradley Beal in Phoenix is Jordan Goodwin of Belleville Altoff and St. Louis University. They made a good trade, I think, in moving Aiton for some depth, getting a guy like Grayson Allen, getting Jop, getting Watanabe. They, they've added to their depth, which they were desperate to have. So uh, they'll be an interesting team. My concern, Brooke, for them is can they keep Kevin Durant healthy? Because I don't think if they, if they don't keep Durant healthy, I don't think they can win. I agree. And, and, you know, him staying healthy is the key, one of the key components to them having success. But you got other guys that can score. They are, uh, that team is going to be a little bit different, though. DeAndre Ayton not there. You know, they, they lose as much as they may have not liked what DeAndre Ayton, he was inside blocking shots or altering shots. He did a really good job rebounding. Um, at, you know, you, you wanted them to score more and be more of a presence down low. But, not having him there, I think that's going to change their 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 team a little bit as well. And I don't think people have taken that into consideration. Yeah, uh, Nurkic isn't what he was before no. the injury, and he's their center right yeah. now. Uh, seven foot two ninety, but uh, he moves like me, so it's <laughs> <laughs> not a great thing. Not a great thing. Uh, NBA tonight on TNT. Next up, our rush hour reset on the opening drive on one ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on one hundred and one ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Recapping the biggest sports stories of the day on the opening drive with a Rush Hour Reset. It's 9.04 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Brooke Grimsley, Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, great to have you with us. And the Blues are in Winnipeg tonight. We have the pregame for you at 6.45, and the action comes your way at 7.45 for the Blues and the Jets. Then tonight, you've also got, as we mentioned in our last segment, the start of the NBA season, and you have a Game 7 in Major League Baseball. The Arizona Diamondbacks visiting the Philadelphia Phillies for Game 7. It starts at 7.07 on TBS. Brandon Fott for Arizona against Ron Her- 
Ron Hare Suarez. Ron Hare oh. Suarez Ron of Philadelphia. Suarez. Uh, and this game is being played because yesterday a former Cardinal put Arizona on top for good. And Pham sends one deep into left field, and that one's going to fly. Tommy Pham, welcome back to the lineup. Running around those bases with some anger. You got to remember, I've been stabbed. So many former Cardinals, I didn't know where you were going with that audio. Oh, we'll have more. We'll have more. It could have so, gone so many different ways. So many plays. It could have went. I feel like a lot of these organizations need to send thank you cards every year that they moved or, you know, traded one of these players because I feel like you should. I know that there were some things that happened that you got out Cardinals of it. Maybe the former Cardinals should send the card. Yeah, so a why, thank you why card? card though? I mean, th- th- this is a big money industry. Why not do edible arrangements or there something? You go. <laughs> to the front office? Thank you. Yeah. Well, you, you, Adolis Garcia, he should send something to the front office of the Cardinals. I, I greatly appreciate you. Yeah. 5 yeah. 1, Arizona beats Philadelphia yesterday to force game seven. And as has been mentioned, Adolis Garcia was pretty good for the Rangers in this playoff series. Garcia starts the third and drives one the other way down the line of it's Ferry's got another. He does. Adolis Garcia owning October. Tom, take it away. Here's the fly ball. Hold on one second. Back goes Brantley to the wall. And Adolis Garcia has hit another home run. Impossible. His fifth in the last four games. He owns Houston. Adolis Garcia setting a record for RBIs in a postseason series with 15. He's homered in four consecutive games. Oh, by the way, he was a Cardinal, and the Cardinals decided to move on from him After in 21 games. 2019. And so congratulations to both Tommy Pham, who's playing Game 7 tonight, and Mundo Sosa, Game 7 tonight for Philadelphia. And, of course, Adolis Garcia, Jordan Montgomery, and Chris Stratton of the Rangers, who are on their way to the World Series. I was yeah. going to say, we saw Jordan Montgomery yesterday coming into the game, and it's painful, guys. There's no other way to say it. I said that you have them send thank you cards. I, I, Of course, I want everybody to go and be happy, but when you see them just right in your face like this, especially the whole Garcia situation, it feels very much kind of like Randy or Rosarina where they weren't given much of an opportunity here, and then they go elsewhere. And I know that they were also, that Garcia specifically was DFA'd by the Rangers. All the other teams had a chance to get him, and they didn't. But the fact that the Rangers were able to get this out of Garcia, it just makes it even more painful to see that play out in that way. I think if you are um, if you're Jordan Montgomery or, or Chris Stratton, you you do send something because you go from worst to first, right? You mm-hmm. you are yeah. you are a guy that was uh, you know on a team that was yeah, just stinking it up all season long, and now you get traded to a team that has an opportunity to win a World Series. You have to be thrilled by that. So, I mean, it, it's. It's exciting. I had a teammate who played on the 0-16 Detroit Lions. Mm-hmm. And the following year, he was on the 12-4 Super Bowl champion Pittsburgh Steelers. You know how thrilling that has to be? Oh, man. The highs and lows you come that? from. John McHugh. He's a fullback, wow. tight end, uh-huh. uh, tight end, H-back kind of uh, guy. And so he went from the 0-16 Detroit Lions in 2007 to the Super Bowl champion Pittsburgh Steelers in 2008. And you have... Uh, the highs and lows associated with your career from from going, that's in one year. Now imagine these two guys going in one season. 
from mm-hmm. a team that was 20 games under 500 to now playing in the World Series. I mean, come on. That's pretty Does cool. Does life get much better than that? No. Yeah, no. What are we talking? What are we complaining about? I wouldn't be complaining. No. Uh, Monday Night Football, Kirk Cousins 35 of 45, a couple of touchdowns and an interception. You like that? You like that? Vikings over the Niners, 22-17. The Niners have lost two in a row now. Yeah. That's a little that's, concerning. That's a little worried. Yeah. A little, a little oh, and by the way, Brock Purdy uh, threw a couple of bad interceptions. He, th- he had a touchdown pass, 21-30, with a couple of picks. They played without Debo Samuel and a clearly limited Christian McCaffrey. He was only 15-45, mm-hmm. did have the touchdown, and caught three for 51, but wasn't the normal Christian McCaffrey that we've come to love and know. Well, I think I think he was uh, he he fumbled the ball early, which was um, you know a little bit disappointing. But they they were able to have a chance. They they missed a field goal, another field goal, um, and had an opportunity to put points on the board. Just didn't get it done. The more concerning part, I'm not worried about Christian McCaffrey. Debo Samuel had a shoulder injury. I'm not worried about that. He'll be back in due time. The more concerning part is the two interceptions that Brock Purdy threw to the safety over the middle mm-hmm. where it looked like he did not know. The, the receiver was about five yards away. He, he threw it to the right. The receiver was still a couple of yards, five yards away or so from, from crossing over and, and being able to even compete for that catch. That, to me, was the concerning part. Like, yeah, I, I – I want to know that my quarterback knows where the ball is being thrown to. I think the receiver was open had he decided to put it on him instead of leading him. But those two interceptions late in that fourth quarter were uh, were concerning for me because those are really bad throws from a quarterback who hasn't had many of those so far in his career. Were you surprised by the 49ers' defensive performance in that game? Um. I was surprised. Well, I mean, when you don't have Justin I mean, Jefferson, four hundred and fifty-two yards. When Justin Justin Jefferson isn't in the lineup, you would assume that they're not going to. The opposing team is not going to have as much success. Jordan Addison showed up and showed out last night. Yes. He, he took a ball away from Ward. Ward took one away from him earlier, which gave him an interception. Uh, he took one away from Ward later in that in that uh, second quarter, right before halftime, to score a touchdown. He, I, they played well. And I Cam mean, Bynum, that was Powell. Yeah. I mean, all of those guys were were making plays downfield, which was uh, which was exciting for the for the for the Vikings. And they are they've been winning. They're three and five now. They are they're a team that is not as bad as they have played all season. And the next NFL week gets underway on Thursday with the Bucks at the Bills. There's your rush hour reset here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, our friend Xavier Scruggs joining us here to talk postseason baseball, the World Series bound Rangers and uh, Garcia and the rest of the gang that the Cardinals <laughs> used to have. Next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Sends one deep in the left field, and that one's going to fly. Tommy Pham, welcome back to the lineup. Running around those bases with some anger. Tommy Pham with a home run to set the tone yesterday as the Diamondbacks force game seven against Philadelphia. That game will be played tonight with Brooke Grimsley and Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker, and joining us now from MLB Network and ESPN and Sirius XM MLB Radio, a busy guy and a former teammate of Tommy Pham, Xavier Scruggs, a friend of in life and a friend on the show. Joining us, uh, Xavier, it's always good to hear your voice. How are you doing, sir? 
Hey, thank you guys so much for having me. I'm, I'm doing well. How are you guys over there? We're, we're good, except we're kind of jealous because he, uh, we, we see Tommy Pham and we see Adolis Garcia and we see Jordan Montgomery and we see Chris Stratton. We're seeing all these former Cardinals in the postseason, man. I know, man. It's not right. It's almost like when you see the success that some of these guys have had, um, I think it was uh, – I'm trying to remember who posted a picture on Twitter showing Randy Rosarena 2020 ALCS MVP right next to Adolis Garcia 2023 ALCS MVP in Cardinals colors. That doesn't make any sense. (laughs) It's painful to see. Well, as Randy was just talking about, we're going to get a game seven with the Phillies and the D-backs. Are you surprised? And because it feels like a lot of people are surprised about the Diamondbacks that they were able to force a game seven. And what do you think the outcome, if you just had to predict the outcome of tonight will be well first i'll answer your first question i'm extremely surprised because i look at after game two of the series when phillies beat down the d-backs 10 to nothing if you told me that there was going to be a game seven i'd be laughing at you just because of the momentum that the phillies had already had um but going into this game seven tonight I, i i think you know all hands on deck I'm excited to see what happens because Brandon Fott has been really good the last time out against the Phillies. Uh, same thing on the other side. Ranger Suarez has been great all postseason long. Um, I think we're, we're down for a, a dog fight. The one thing that I think we'll see is, is the stars step up. And it, it depends on which ones do, right? Is it going to be Corbin Carroll on the D-back side? Is it going to be Bryce Harper, Swarber on, on the Philly side? Depending upon which team stars step up and depending upon which team doesn't beat themselves up with defensive miscues and, and, and letting guys on base via the walk, that's, that's ultimately who's going to have success tonight. Yeah, the NL, NLCS obviously was a shocker and surprised that there is a Game 7. Were you shocked at all at how the ALCS ended? An 11-4 win for the Rangers coming back to, to Houston and winning those two games in the fashion in which they did. I wasn't as surprised as the way they won the games. I was more surprised that you really didn't see the, the Houston Astros win at, at home at all. Yeah. Like the fact that this team has been so great over the past seven, eight years and what they've done to get to the ALCS seven straight times, like that to me didn't really make much sense. But at the same time, that's what's beautiful about our game. It's like you can't predict those types of things happening and ultimately, you look at Adolis Garcia and what he was able to do, basically putting the team on his back, five home runs, two, two last night. Um, a, another move that stuck out to me was you knew Max Scherzer probably wasn't going to go very long, but then Bruce Bochy bringing out Montgomery to help bridge that gap to the guys in high leverage. I thought that was an excellent, an excellent calculated move from him that ultimately gave them a chance to slow down the momentum for the Astros after they had scored a couple runs early in the game, too. Xavier Scruggs with us on 101 ESPN. And, Xavier, I want you to, uh, for tonight's game, you mentioned stars are going to show up, but I want you to give me an X-Factor. And the X-Factor can even be Kyle Schwarber or a, a Carroll but, uh, or a Tommy Pham. You played with Tommy Pham mm, in the minors. He's, yeah. he's one of those guys who, who seems to be a guy, a bright lights guy. The obvious guy for all of us, I think, would be Bryce Harper but give me give me an x-factor for tonight well for the d-backs I was going to give you Tommy Pham because what we saw yesterday is the prime example of what I I played with and I got the opportunity I knew Tommy Pham from even before we were both drafted I went to UNLV Las Vegas he's from Las Vegas out of high school 
Um, what one thing that's always stuck out about him to me is that he's always played with a chip on his shoulder. And when somebody gives him an extra chip, like, like Lavello gave him in this series by sitting him, he, he comes out with a different type of energy. And I think that's what we saw yesterday in the second inning when he went left field bridge uh, with two strikes. So I think he will have an effect on this game, whether it be positive or negative, and he's a guy that they'll be looking to do some damage in the middle of the order. On the other side, I look at Castellanos, who's actually struggled a little bit in this series. I think he's going to have opportunities with guys on base. You can, it's easy to point to Swarbrick and Harper because we expect them to do the big things, even Trey Turner. But I think a guy that if they get production from tonight and he comes out like he did the, the other series, I think you're looking at them having a lot of success offensively for, the, for uh, creating some runs tonight. We've talked a lot, a lot about this this offseason as we wait to see what moves the Cardinals will make. And you're looking at the teams that are left now. Is there something that you think that the Cardinals can take away from each one of these teams or maybe a model the Cardinals could follow this offseason? Because they're saying they want a quick turnaround. They don't want to do a seven or not a seven, excuse me, a few years kind of rebuild here. They want to turn things around quickly for next season. Is there something they can learn from one of these teams that are left standing? You already know what it is. It's, it's pitching, pitching, pitching. Like, that's what we looked at what the Rangers did this offseason. Went out and got some dudes. But not only that, then at the trade deadline, they went and got the Cardinals. They got a Cardinals dude. Like, <laughs> and multiple guys. And Max Scherzer. So, it, it just it, – that's what it equates to. When you – and everybody can see it. When you have depth in starting pitching, it changes the whole outlook of your roster – it allows guys confidence on the offensive side. The same thing from a bullpen standpoint. Think about the bullpens that we've seen from the Rangers. But what did we talk about? How horrible this bullpen was going into the postseason. What have their starters done? They've gone deep. Montgomery went deep. Evaldi went deep. Every single time they went out. That's the difference. The Cardinals have to go out and get some dudes, whether that be via, via uh, free agency or via trade. They've got to find a way to get some starting pitching depth. Xavier, I don't know if you heard this, but there has been talks that Yadier Molina will be potentially returning to the Cardinals in a uh, coach's role. What are your thoughts about what he adds to the Cardinals if he were to come back? whatever he adds is really indescribable. Um, the, the reason why I say that is because having played with him for a little bit of time, I understand it's a, it's another manager that's, that's out there that has eyes on the field. And the, you think about all that he's been through, the ups and downs, um, all the success that he's had. Um, he knows the organization in and out. Um, he's like a field general. And to, to have that alongside with it, if that's the case, alongside of Ollie Marmol, that, that's only going to p- prove huge dividends. Um, and I think the one thing about Yachty is he's never the, – the moment has never been too big for him. And I think that's what we're seeing from guys like Bruce Bochy, guys like Dusty Baker, um, you know, that really have that type of mentality that we're not going to let the team get too high or too low. Emotions aren't going to get out of control. Everything is going to be focused on one day at a time, and we're going to get the job done. That's what you'll get from Yachty. 
The great Xavier Scruggs with us on 101 ESPN. And Xavier, I'm glad you brought that up because along those lines, one of the things that we haven't seen from the likes of Bochi or Dusty or Rob Thompson is getting worried about a starting pitcher. Rather than leaning on the numbers and being owned by the numbers, those guys are using the eye test. And whether it's leaving Evaldi in with the bases loaded and nobody out or giving people like Wheeler and Nola a chance to give innings, is it a coincidence that these really experienced managers are managing in the final four Randy you so you so right man it just it there has to be a blend of the analytics and somebody that has a feel for the game and and we keep seeing it time and time again Um, there's a reason why these guys they've been through it all like they've seen it all so they understand when somebody's truly on the ropes or when somebody's truly having success out there because they're watching the nuances of the game and not so worried about what the numbers actually have to say. They they take the numbers before the game starts, and they'll say, okay, I'm going to watch what happens and then apply the numbers to it. I'm not going to apply what I watch to the numbers. And I think that's one of the biggest differences, what you see – there has to be a blend. I think you're starting to see it. Even Chris Young taking over this team in the Rangers, who he, he, he's a very smart guy himself, but he's known to been not let the analytics overtake the, the game. And I think he's went out there trying to prove that there's a way to blend it, and we've seen it with the Rangers so far in this postseason. Hey, Xavier, I got one more thing for you. And we talk a lot here about, obviously, because you you know, we talk about the Cardinal way and the fundamentals that the Cardinals historically have employed. And their defense was in the bottom third this year. And you played for a couple of organizations, but you've seen countless organizations try to t- coach and teach fundamentals. Does it matter the way you coach and teach fundamentals? Can a coaching staff make a team fundamentally better? I think so, and and obviously everybody's going to have their own opinion, but I think it – honestly, I look at what Bobby Dickerson's doing over with the Phillies. That's a guy, an infield coach, that has changed the outlook of of the infield itself. He taught Harper how to play first base fundamentally over there. He taught Alec Bohm, who's now turned himself into a better defensive player at third base. The same thing with Bryson Stott, who was playing shortstop and then moved over to second – there's something about doing the little things. And when I look at the Cardinals this year, I think you can look to their focus wasn't quite there defensively because they, the start that they got off to was so was so panicky. And you could feel that it was like the pressure was building on them and the details that they lost sense of the details of the game, which ultimately give you the day-by-day allowing yourself to stack up little wins. I think they were so worried about trying to catch up a week at a time. No, you have to focus on the details of the game. I think that's what, you know, Tony LaRusso was so great about. I look at even Mike Schilt, like those, those names stick out to me. And I think those things are something that Ali Marmel is going to have to reevaluate and figure out how to prioritize going into 2024. Xavier Scruggs is a great follow on Twitter. How about them naming Twitter after you now? <laughs> it was only right, Randy. It was only right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, follow Xavier at, at Xavier underscore Scruggs. I already heard you on my drive in on MLB Network Radio. Uh, what other media you have going on today, or do we just follow you on on X? No, just that. That'll be pretty much it. I'll be posting videos, kind of reactions of the game and all that stuff, and. You know, it's what I love to do. I love listening to you guys, so keep up the good work as well. Love your passion and love you. Thanks, man. Appreciate your time today. We'll talk to you soon. No problem at all. 
I see Xavier Xavier Scruggs with us on 101 ESPN. Man, he's he's got passion for that sport. He does. He, he does. and he's very knowledgeable. He's about what's going on. Fantastic. Yep. Coming up, you just heard Xavier talk about it. What do the Cardinals need to do to be more like the Rangers or the Diamondbacks or the Phillies? That's next up, 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. There has to be a blend of the analytics and somebody that has a feel for the game. And we keep seeing it time and time again. Um, There's a reason why these guys, they've been through it all. Like, they've seen it all. So they understand when somebody's truly on the ropes or when somebody's truly having success out there because they're watching the nuances of the game and not so worried about what the numbers actually have to say. They, They take the numbers before the game starts and they'll say, okay, I'm going to watch what happens and then apply the numbers to it. I'm not going to apply what I watch to the numbers. And I think that's one of the biggest differences. That is former Cardinal Xavier Scruggs of MLB Network and of ESPN. And I think he said it well. Yeah. Uh, apply what I watch to the numbers rather than applying the numbers to, or apply the, the numbers to what I watch rather than applying what I watch to the numbers. Yeah, I, I think that's what analytics are for. It's to watch the game and then, you know, use those numbers to give you the answers to whatever questions may be presented, not the other way around. And I think people have gone in the other direction in terms of analytics. We're just going to use these numbers regardless of what's going on in the game because these are the numbers. No, there are certain situations that arise in a game and you have to play that game in the manner in which it's supposed to be played. Now, you use the the numbers to give you a close enough answer to how to give you the solution. But, you know, I think oftentimes, as I said, when when you make a, a decision at 2 p.m. and the game isn't until 7 p.m., things change around 830 from mm-hmm. what you decided at 2 o'clock. And so you, you have to be able to change as well. You have to be able to adapt. And I think if the Cardinals are going to have success in 2024, you have to be able to adapt in-game uh, based on what you're seeing, not solely based on what the numbers tell you. Bruce Bochy watched what was happening with Nathan Evaldi in the fifth inning of Game 2, I believe it was, and he left Evaldi in there with the bases loaded and nobody out. He saw Max Scherzer get into trouble last night in the fourth inning, and he didn't leave Max Scherzer in there because his eyes told him what was happening. And... I think that's the biggest thing about these managers is their experience and their eyes inform them more than the numbers do. Even in game six, that whole situation with Leclerc, I mean, there's been so Mm -hmm. many situations this season. One, even with what has happened with the Rangers bullpen going into the postseason was not great. We knew that that was going to be a low point. But the way that Bruce Bochy has really kind of maneuvered this like chess, essentially, I think speaks highly to having that feel, having that gut knowing which guys to trust in certain situations. And I think that that really threw off the Astros in a lot of ways. I think there was times the Astros thought that he was going to make one move and then he didn't do that. He didn't do He didn't fold. He didn't give in. He didn't bring out maybe the guy that they were expecting to come in. And I think that speaks a lot to Bruce Bochy, the trust he has, and Chris Young for bringing him in. Just watching that ceremony last night, Chris Young was so complimentary of Bruce Bochy and bringing him in, obviously, out of retirement had to go and talk to him in Nashville, Tennessee to convince him of it, but it was all for this moment. And if you say, if you're the Cardinals and you say that you want to win, 
next season, that you want to have a quick turnaround, this is not going to be something that you're building in a few years, then you have to make aggressive moves like that. If you look at their spending and how they did that, I think the Cardinals are willing to spend money, but it's spending money in the correct way. And that's exactly what the Rangers did in a lot of these situations. Nathan Avaldi to me, is a steal. Mm-hmm. That was somebody that I wish the Cardinals would have looked at. Two years, $34 million, and that is paying off. Maddox, what he's been able to do with that pitching staff, I was reading an article that The Athletic has, if you, you can look it up. It's great about how they talk about what Maddox has done the season with the starting rotation and with the pitching staff in general and how he also works in conjunction with Bruce Bochy where it's just more of a feel thing. They just let guys be who they need to be. They're not throwing a bunch of numbers and situations at him. He's just had so much experience that it pays off in those moments where sometimes when he goes out to the mound, he's just making a joke sometimes. Mm-hmm. he's Maybe he's not even telling them anything. He just knows what they need in that specific moment. Two years ago, the Diamondbacks lost 110 games and the Rangers lost 102. So things can turn around in a hurry. And as Mo says, the task isn't overly daunting in the Cardinals' opinion. I look at what Texas has done and what Arizona has done, and I think for the Cardinals it it would be more daunting than for those two teams because I don't believe the Cardinals are going to go spend $325 million on a shortstop and a couple hundred million on another uh, middle infielder and then uh, 100 and whatever on a guy like Jacob deGrom and then $34 million on Nathan Evaldi and then go out and make a trade for people like Max Scherzer. I just don't see the Cardinals being... In in those waters. And as far as the Diamondbacks are concerned, the Cardinals have already brought up their kids. The Diamondbacks have a bunch of kids. The Cardinals' kids are already on hand. And so what the Cardinals need to do is hope and maximize, hope for maximizing their young talent, specifically their young pitching. I think they, I think they have the pieces there. Again, you need to go out and get that ace. You, whether it's via trade or, or free agency, you're going to have to open up your, your, your wallet and spend some money, maybe more than you were willing to spend. And if you have to spend it in, in free agency, you you have to do that. Right? You have to go out and do that. And then maybe you go and get another one in, in via trade because you need two guys at least mm-hmm. that have had success in the major leagues, have done a good job so far in their careers, and you have to go out and get two of those guys. And then, I got to keep saying it, just allow your your younger guys, some of them to be a part of this bullpen. Learn how to be professionals. Learn how to... Uh, be placed in high leverage moments and get out of that inning. You know, get you a, a, a two thirds of an inning and get those two guys out. Learn how to go about that and then work your way up to becoming a starter. And then having competition on the back end of that rotation during spring training, figuring out which five are going to be the five. And and that's the best way for me, in my opinion, to build that starting rotation, build up that bullpen. You got enough guys that, that can hit, that can play every single day, having those guys in the same position every single day. That's the, the, the recipe for success for 2024. I agree. You you have to figure out those roles, establish them pretty quickly, and pitching, pitching, pitching. That's exactly what mm-hmm. I said. You have to address the pitching, and it seems like they say that. Now, whether it'll be two starters or three starters, either way, you have to go out and find an ace. I really do think that the Cardinals were hoping that Jack Flaherty was going to be that ace going into this season. And that's the thing. You can't have question marks. Of course, things are going to happen. Injuries are inevitable. And, and I mean, look at the Rangers, everything that happened with them, with DeGrom. But 
you still have to just plan for every single scenario and have that depth, have that availability, and showing that you're going out and being aggressive and getting that. That's Brooke. That's Carrie. I'm Randy. Coming up, we're going to head down the stretch with Rock and Roll here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. Metallica. They're going to be here in St. Louis next Sunday night at the Dome, November 5th. So if you want to get tickets for the Metallica, uh, you can get them right now. The Metallica? Is it the Metallica? Uh, Is it like the Facebook? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, they're going to have like two awesome concerts at the Dome. They're playing a huge no-repeat weekend, Friday and Sunday. Two different sets, two different opening acts. Two-night tickets and single-show tickets are both on sale now. Get all the details and find a bonus chance to win a pair of free tickets for Metallica right now at 101ESPN.com or on your 101 mobile app. And if you want, you can play our little game right now. Text in to win free tickets at 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO! That's the Air Comfort Service text line. And you have to guess... Who's playing today? Gary? Yeah. Okay. U.S. Uh, Vice Presidents. Ooh, I like it. U.S. Vice Presidents. How many can Kerry Davis name in 30 seconds? Text in now and tell us how many Kerry can name. All right, Kerry Davis, you have 49 okay. to name here in 30 seconds. <laughs> All right. Do you have a prediction for yourself? Uh, I think I can get somewhere between 7 and 10. Do we have to have first names? I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to need first names okay. on on you, you can't just say like, you know, Johnson. Smith and 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 be All like, right. yeah, Johnson. Yeah. Franklin, you can't know with, right. with really bland names like that. I'm going to need a first name. If it's a kind of a crazy name, I'll give it to you on the last one. Okay. So I, uh, I, I know a lot of these guys early on were vice presidents before they were presidents. Ooh, so. Yeah, good play. Interesting That's strategy. Yeah. All right. Are you ready, Kerry yeah. Davis? All right, Kerry Davis is going to begin guessing. Three, two, one. Dan Quill, Dick Cheney. Joe Biden, uh, Tr- Tr- uh, Pence, um, John Madison, John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, uh, Linda B. Johnson, John Quincy Adams, John Moreau, uh, Andrew Jackson, Thomas Jefferson, Martin Van Buren, uh, Henry Harrison, Thomas Taylor, Taylor, current one, current one. Who did I say? Oh, 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 man. Well, Carrie, not as many of the early presidents uh, were vice presidents Gosh, as you it. thought. You did you get a couple of them. You said John Adams, who was the first vice president. You said Thomas Jefferson. You also did say John Tyler, who also yes. was a vice president. That, I believe, is the only former... Um, did, you, did you say Calvin Coolidge? No. I did not. You did not say Calvin Coolidge. So my total count for you was... Was eight. I got. I got go. eight vice presidents from Kerry Davis. The I liked the former president one that got you three of your eight. So it was a very good job yeah. there. The one that I believe Randy Randy was trying to get make you get was Kamala Harris. Oh my God. Yeah. The current, the current yeah. vice from, president from Missouri, Harry Truman would have been Harry a good Truman. one too. Oh. Harry S. Truman. Yeah, but eight eight, eight for Kerry Davis. That's seven uh, to ten. Oh, not bad. Did not bad. Al Gore? I did not. He did not I say like Al Gore. You got no. Dick Cheney. That, yeah. that, that's Dan always Quayle. a good throwback one. Dan Quayle was a really good one. I was yeah. I, I liked that one a lot. That, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fair because I can never spell his name. Q U A Y L E. 
Yes. Is Very it? good. Yes. Q U A Y L E. Y L E. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. For a guy who couldn't spell potato, he had a A I L E. T A T O E. Yeah, confusing name. <laughs> um, by the way, um, there is some uh, developments that have been made in the Michigan story. I don't know if you guys have been following this one. But Michigan accused of sign stealing. They have to suspend a employee, Connor Stallings, and now it has been revealed that he bought tickets to 11 games around the country. None of those games involved Michigan. They didn't, in fact, though, involve teams that Michigan would eventually be playing on their schedule and at least one surveillance video according to sources from one of these games says that the person who sat in that seat had their phone up and was filming the opponents the opposing sideline for the majority of the game there have also been cases where they have proven that there have been multiple tickets purchased across from each other essentially usually uh, there's been a pattern in the ticket buying here apparently the tickets always purchased around the 45 yard line with a raised area that you can then see the entire um game from a couple of the times they were like i said multiple tickets bought on opposite 45 yard lines in those games multiple times both teams happen to be future teams on michigan's schedule it seemed a little kind of shaky when i first heard it just like when you hear sign stealing you wonder how egregious is this going to be this report though pretty freaking egregious here for michigan and i'm a uh, I, i'm a, a harbaugh guy but harbaugh had to know had to, here's oh, the he thing did. about yeah when you're doing signs especially at that level it is your responsibility as a team that is doing the signs to change up your signs mm-hmm. change up your sign your signal caller it's never the same person every single time now if you take video and you put together the plays along with the signs of the three or four people that are doing the signs eventually you can figure it out but he, but it also as again your responsibility to change up what the signs mean when I played in Indianapolis, Peyton Manning would change the audibles. He could change it from quarter to quarter. It, it, it could go from, from this meaning this to this being a dummy call now. It does not matter. We, are, we, we just changed it. Yes, Omaha meant this in the first half. Omaha means nothing in the second half. It's, an, it's a dummy call. And we're going to shift and align in the same way we did in the first half. And they're going to think it's the same play. But they're the dummies. Because we changed it. We're, we're just so, using it to build a production company out of. There, that, that is well. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, you have to be intelligent enough as an offense to understand that the, the plays have changed, the, the calls have changed, the signals have changed. And it's because people do cheat. People do steal signs. People do write down, take notes, what words are coming out of the quarterback's mouth so they can remember it for later on in the game or for later on in, in, in the future. And so as a as a as an offensive play caller, that's your responsibility, especially at that level. You got 50,000 people on your sideline. You got 100 people. Figure it out, man. I I mean, should should Michigan be sending someone to games and posting them up at the 45-yard line and taking videos? No. But you have to know that people are going to do it. So you figure out how to beat the cheaters by changing up what you're doing. And to that extent, though, is my whole issue of it, where he's literally flying out to these other games where there's no reason for him to be out there. To that extent, is there? do you think there's many other teams who are also doing the exact same thing, in college football specifically? Do yeah, you think smarter. this is happening? They're smarter people. Not buying tickets with their own credit card. 
and going to the games and sitting at the same spot every every week. And part of that tracking was um, because it was around the country. They weren't Michigan wasn't even you know expending for this guy to fly all around. He was transferring tickets to at least three other parties, which means they had other people. You know, if there were certain of these games that were away games from the Big Ten, they were other people in the country who were picking up these How much tickets and going for it. Is he? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm not. I mean, the guy's yeah. a patsy. I mean, he's the he's the he's not the one who thought of this. To your point, Brooke, though, he didn't I, think I, of anything. Clearly, I, I can't imagine that there's only one team that's doing this or one person in America that's doing this. I would no. think that, especially it's coming from somewhere. Yeah, with all the turnover in the Harbaugh staff, either somebody else is either doing it or this is how they found out about it. How the NCAA found out about it. I believe this goes under Carrie, one of Carrie's favorite uh, things. Either coaching or allowing it. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I told my kids that yesterday. It's either Harbaugh's <laughs> idea or he knows whose idea it is. Yeah. Told him, I know I ain't coaching this, so I'm, but I am allowing it. And after today, not no more. So we've got Blues, we've got NBA, we've got Game Seven tonight. Where's everybody's focus? All starting oh. right around seven o'clock. Well, I'm not worried about that. I'll get you're, to the NBA at 9 o'clock. Yeah, gotcha. I'm going to be a little sluggish first half of the day, just so you all know. I'm not going to bed till about 1230. Matthew's oh. not either, so it's okay. <laughs> also, Slew tips off in an exhibition game at 7 p.m. Oh, nice. Chiefs Arena. There you go. Good. Yeah. I'm going to be watching. Well, you got to watch Game 7. you got to flip back and forth yeah. between Game 7 and, and the Blues, see how, how well they're performing or if they are sluggish as they were against the Coyotes. Hashtag LGB and Toropchenko. And God bless <laughs> picture in picture. Oh yeah, because that YouTube TV fit where I, I'm getting two screens right next to each other. That was that was so money last night. And it's going to be very crucial tonight. I just have two big screens right next to each well, other, big boy. Very nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. Great job by our producer, audio engineer, the one, the only Matthew Rocchio. The plebe with one TV. Pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> Brooke, did you have fun today? Yes. How about that? Thing. How about yes. that? How about that? City. Show your face. We want to see your face. Who said that? You want to see my face? Hey, don't forget Blues Hockey coming up at 645. T-Mac and Ajax coming up with a balloon party right after us. And then BKM Ferrario 11-2. to 2, Fastlane from 2 to 6. I don't know if Jamie's going to join from Winnipeg or not. Is he? I think he is. It's a late start. It's a 645 pregame. So he can do it from from if they have internet in Winnipeg. Uh, for all of us. <laughs> for all of us, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Till tomorrow morning, hump day at 7. Have a great Tuesday, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.